and welcome to the Suspense is Killing Us podcast. I am Emily, negative for COVID Soderback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yay! Woo! I, wanna, I, I made Emily wait and t- to do it until we were rolling so we could get that good radio. Yeah, it's excellent. <clears throat> yeah. This is Through podcasting. Myself. And that's Travis and that's Matt. Yeah, that's me. As you might be able to tell, uh, we are recording remotely on this one, and it's for reasons not entirely unrelated to what we were just talking about seconds ago. Yeah, I, uh, my boyfriend has COVID, so uh, I am. Uh, we are currently in opposite sides of our not very huge apartment, but big enough. Um, and I've been testing, tested yesterday and today, and I'm still a negative. So, but we're being uh, safer than sorrier. Yeah. See, that's will. as we all say, yeah. all the time. So I'm here uh, Zoom recording with my dog. Dog and, is just uh, staring at Emily right now. <laughs> She's very locked in on you. <laughs> yeah, she likes me. <laughs> I don't. Really- I think she wants to know. She's like, who are you talking to? There's no one else in the room. <laughs> this sort of um, behavior is absolutely mind bending to a dog. Just like, what? Is this person lost their fucking mind or what? I know, I'm not even... <laughs> She's like, are you talking to me? No, I'm talking to them. They're on a screen. The dog um, doesn't get it. Explaining Zoom to a dog, not, not an easy task. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so far, so good, negative. So I guess I'll just keep on testing and <clears throat> masking up and avoiding my boyfriend. But this was just yesterday <laughs> just that, like that, any that other you found day. out. Hey, yeah, yeah. Woo. Yesterday morning, yeah. Yeah, and and we would have been. I've, I've I've kind of felt like we were we were planning on going to Scarecrow to record it, and then all I think we all just sort of realized at the same time, like, wait a minute, that that's stupid. Yeah, that's not a nice thing <laughs> to do. That like, seems like a stupid idea. I'm sure you're. I'm sure it would probably be fine, but like, why take a chance? Yeah, yeah. Especially because there's going to be customers there. That's true. Uh, and like, I would hate that. Yeah. Let's just hope I Don- don't Unless it's Donna. It. Unless it's Donna who sent us an email this week. Donna. Oh, Donna. What did Donna, Donna say again? Donna, we, said, Donna Donna replied to our best of 22 newsletter and said, your staff has terrible taste. So disappointed. <laughs> so Donna, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you're not, fuck Donna you. Donna would never. Donna would never listen to this. Donna doesn't <laughs> listen to this. Donna doesn't watch Viva. Yeah. Uh, Don- Donna does have a Scarecrow account. Rich looked it up for me, but she has not rented in about 10 years. Well, then why does she even care? I don't fucking know, man. She cares enough to send me like a shitty email, which I thought was just like, I wanted to reply to it and go like, do you think that this is appropriate in any way? Like, why do you need to tell me that? Who behaves like this? Yeah, (laughs) animals, man, fucking animals. I love my favorite. I like the ending, though, because I I remember reading it when you posted it on Twitter. But like the the first part is like, okay, fine. But the disappointing part is, is the real the really real belly laugh part i just imagine her seeing the the list and like shaking her head her head and maybe her eyes watering a little bit just her her being just genuinely (laughs) like oh once she read jackass forever she's like god what do you think that's it probably i feel like i'm causing a bunch of upheaval in people's comments about our because then we got well, I don't know if we want to talk about what what might be the controversial. What happened? Did we get someone else on Viva or something? No, 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 Matt. Uh, the the swearing and you know, oh yeah, that fuck that man. Yeah. What's this? What are you talking about? The, this longtime volunteer uh, who has been a real problematic person complained to me about Emily using some swears in a review of a of a movie that 
deserves to have some swears used for it called Out of the Blue. He asked um, uh, how, what was the oldest person reviewing movies? Be- like pretty much implying that uh, our maturity level was low for using swear words in our in our yeah. reviews. Swears. Swears. You know, he's, a, he's a pervy weirdo <laughs> who makes all the women that work there uncomfortable. So yeah, fuck oh that my guy. God. So if what the hell is going on over there? <laughs> so if he's listening, uh, stop sending us emails. <laughs> oh, anyway, <laughs> I love it. Weirdos, man. What yeah. a time. Weirdos what a time. out there. Hey, if you're weird and you're listening to this podcast, stop being so weird. Yeah, what's your problem? Stop being yeah. such a weirdo all the time. Oh, look, look yeah, at, take relax. a good look in the mirror. Like, really think it through and go like, am I being weird? And then if you are, and you should come to that conclusion if it's true. And if you are, stop it. Stop it's it. Very simple. So I told you the story about the kid when I was in junior high. Who, I love that story. You love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? Are you weird? Yeah, this this one kid was picking on me. He's like, I heard you're fucking weird. You know, we are you? You're a weird kid. You're fucking weird, Matt. And this other dude who was sitting next to me is kid named Ned, who was just a, <laughs> you know a regular kid, and he just he turns and looks at me and he goes, "Is that true? Are you weird?" <laughs> He was, like, he was trying, he was true, like, trying to crack, back me up by diffusing the situation and just pointing out how idiotic it was. He's the uh, coolest I thought that was really funny. He's the coolest kid in the world. Yeah. Are true? you weird? Are you weird, man? Are you weird, man? Is that I'm true? You can Tell me the weird. truth. You can be weird, just don't be an asshole. Right. That's totally. generally what I like, mean. Be a cool weirdo. Yeah. Don't be hey. a weird asshole. Hey man, I'm the weirdest guy in the world. You know, like I'm into listening to records. I'm fucking out there, man. That was weird. To Rush. <laughs> I like Star Wars, dude. That's I mean, if you, when you really think about it, the Star Wars stuff is nuts. It's nuts. You know what's really weird about me? I'm a girl and I love to eat pizza and drink beer. I'm just oh. like one of the guys. I think that's weird, so but stop, but also stop, stop virtue signaling. It's, it's not a good look for you. <laughs> I think it's Stop weird, trying but I think to trick it's us also into cool. cool. Like sometimes, like I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm wearing like these gamer headphones because I'm like, <laughs> I am like a cool girl. <laughs> like I like gaming. I love gaming. Some some people I'll, might I'll think I'm games. weird. There was a guy that lived two thousand years ago that people thought was a little bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard the good news have you heard the good news about it yeah now? look what happened to him so some, ex, some super weird stuff happened to him later in his <laughs> life he got tortured for two hours we all saw the movie two hours <laughs> all these people going to see avatar the way of water should be talking about the way of our lord jesus christ very nice <laughs> that's very what nice. i think that was great <laughs> you know who else is weird <laughs> oh god here we go police officers police oh, no. officers they're yes. so weird a-c-a-w that's right folks today we have three uh movies about bad policemen and it's called we blew it b-l-u-e b-l-u-e we blew it Get it. training day narc 2001 dark blue Narc and Dark Blue, two thousand two. Yeah, this is all <laughs> clustered together in the in the same area in the same time. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why. They're all very they're all very self consciously gritty. Two of I them thought, were written by David Ayer. Yes, I think Dark Blue is just is just the them going. You got any more of that Training Day type stuff? Uh-huh. To David Ayer. 
and that but narc i don't i don't think is quite necessarily related to to training day in any narc like, I, i'm so... not sure it's trying to be a training day ripoff or anything no i, I really liked so. narc i thought it was i i i know we were all joking about it being like extra gritty and edgy but i like i thought it was uh pretty unique and uh i don't know it was so depressing and like bleak that i was like pretty into it i like the acting in it a lot but it, you know, I hadn't seen it since it came out and uh, it definitely, definitely fell off in my, in my esteem. It but was we can so talk about sad. <laughs> it, it definitely fell off, but, but, uh, but you got to keep in mind, Matt and I have seen it before and, and we when liked it, it the first time. So when it like, came out, it was like, holy shit, that movie was fucking crazy. This maybe yeah, that this was is me. The, that was me last night in my room. Yeah. Maybe if you watch it, <laughs> maybe if you watch it a second time, 20 years from now, you'll have the same reaction that, that Matt and I did. Yeah. check back you guys because i could have sworn i swear to god i used Tune to in. like when i was Tune working in. at scarecrow i used Keep to listening. recommend narc to people and be like this narc movie like ha having only seen it in the theater and i'd be like this narc movie this is some real hardcore shit like this is a real it's real solid real gritty with a fantastic ray Liotta performance and then i watched it uh a couple days ago and was like a little embarrassed uh, yeah. that I'd well, made those recommendations. still has a fantastic Ray Liotta performance. Though. Oh my God, Ray Liotta. He's always, like I said to you guys last night, He's. I just feel like he's always so fun to watch and because he's always like, <laughs> Tell it to his wife, what are you doing? What are you doing? All three well, of these movies are based around- I won't do that. <laughs> are, the, all three of these movies are based around kind of like a, iconic or attempting to be iconic uh, male male performances from a, like yeah. a- a charismatic. I, I, would argue, I would argue that they're all successful in in having a very great male lead performance. That's true. That's true. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, um, male performances, like unhinged male performances, trying to like take down or bring up a very specific male profession, male centered <laughs> profession yeah. that has a lot to do with masculinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, but none are none were more successful, of course, than Denzel Washington's yeah. uh, performance in a Training Day. In the next 24 hours, you will learn about the streets, about the choices that will force a dedicated cop over the edge, all in the name of good. In the next 24 hours, the only thing more dangerous than the line being crossed. Today's a training day, Officer Hoy. It's your chance to give you a little taste of reality. You think you can handle it? Is the cop who has crossed it. I will do anything you want me to do. Will you? We'll see. If I was a dealer, you'd be dead by now. <laughs> They build jails because of me. Judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigations. You got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of. You hear me? That's it. That's what I'm talking about. The first day on the job, you hit a $3 million seizure. Police officer! Get away from the girl! No, no, no. We're not racking up arrests today. You let him go, Is right? that I not mean, justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, what? Just let the animals wipe themselves out. God willing. It can't be like this. Open your eyes. Can't you see? This is the only know, one I'd seen. He won the Oscar for this, and I have to say, still to this day, deservedly so. He fucking, he's so good in this movie. Despite my, my, my reservations about large pieces of it, he's very, very good. Like I, I would say that this and he should have won for Malcolm, but I'm glad he won for this too. I still haven't he, seen Malcolm. Oh man. 
I know. Do, I do you recall? Do you recall offhand who did win the the year? Because we've looked it up a couple times, and it's like I never remember. It's it's fucked up because yeah, like it's something it, ridiculous. It's like we're, we're talking about Denzel Washington here, one of the greatest, you know, top five greatest actors of all time, uh, and Malcolm X is his greatest performance, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he didn't win. And you can you can kind of probably see why at the time because you know Hollywood being the way it is and shit. Uh, And in in many ways, I feel like his win for Training Day, which is a a much more unconventional movie for someone to win for, was like makeup for other stuff. Um, But um, you've never seen Denzel have more fun than in than in Training Day. Yeah, and it's and and it's really infectious. He he loves everything that he has to do. Like every single part of this movie, you can see how how much fun he's having, and he's just like sinking his teeth into it. It's really highlighting how good he is at the whole like, oh, this is a cool guy who's really charismatic. And then like on on the turn of a dime, he can fucking murder you probably like that. That yes. way about him that he does showcase in other movies that we've seen him in. It's like, oh, this guy's really cool. I better stay on his good side because he's absolutely unhinged. <laughs> he lost to Pacino that year. Percent of a woman. Yeah. No, no. Yes. Percent, yes. Percent of a woman uh yes i strongly disagree with that but then but then again they were giving it to al pacino as like a legacy yeah that was a make good too too. oh oh god give it to me just give me one just give me one that was al pacino's first kind of amazingly just give me one i can't wait till righteous kill comes out Let's do it again. More Al Pacino and more Watkins for Emily. <laughs> if you can. Yay. Does this make you feel Yay. better, Emily? <laughs> Hello. Uh, it's me, Hello. Al Pacino. Somebody uh. just give Al Pacino an, an Oscar <laughs> if you can. Please. What would be the third? Oh, you guys were saying if there was a William Shatner episode. That was the other big impression <laughs> that you guys could torture me with. It's the oh. big, it's the big like hacky impressions that everybody does, and yeah. it's like they, we could do Jack Nicholson too. That would be oh one. yeah, that's <laughs> that would be a good one. It's like what what every dime store impressionist has like a walk in a Pacino, a Jack Nicholson, and not like yeah. us. We're we're definitely more expensive than a dime store. <laughs> we're like quarter store <laughs> impressionists. Quarter store, yeah, absolutely. Um. But, uh, you know, I don't think we're in, da- in any danger of all that many impressions happening in this episode. I don't think any m- uh, matter. Yeah. I do a very good Denzel. I kind of do a decent Ray Liotta. So maybe look forward to that. Oh, yeah. Ray Liotta is probably the, the one mm-hmm. out of all of these that would have an impression. But he's never. But in uh, but in uh, Narc, he's never doing his, He's hardly ever doing his like a subdued Ray Liotta voice. Like, hey, let's, we got to. He's just screaming. He's constantly. doing the yell. But also <laughs> this is the we, screamiest we a, movie ever. We have a Kurt Russell, though. I don't really do yeah, Kurt Russell. I don't think there's such thing as a Kurt Russell impression. Yeah, this is just kind of like a fake John Wayne impression. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll probably do something like that then. Call Dark Blue. Uh, <laughs> I sure I sure wish I could do a Denzel impression. I've seen there's a couple that's like an expert. You know, level the best one. Denzel I've ever seen is Ben Affleck. Whoa. What? Affleck, Affleck did a did a really good uh <clears throat> Denzel on the commentary track for Armageddon. Oh my God, when they're all like drinking and shit. Uh, it's just they're... him. It's just him, but he does a bunch of impressions on it. And he does uh, he does Denzel in Courage Under Fire and it's really fucking funny. <laughs> 
it's the class that's the classic ben affleck um commentary track where he talks shit about uh the logistics yeah i mean he kind of talks yeah. shit on the movie and, and does an does impression of michael no, I'm, bay i'm pretty sure he's drunk in that commentary track. he does a, he does a billy bob in that that is fucking insane he's like you know you weren't supposed to be in this movie until that titanic come out <laughs> <laughs> It's really the most endearing thing, but like we'll always have Ben Affleck's commentary track on Armageddon, no matter what you think about Ben Affleck. And there's plenty of ways to think about him. We'll I love always him have. Now. I love. We'll always have Armageddon. Commentary we do a Ben track. Affleck episode. Ooh, uh, I, that could be. We do Gone Baby Gone. Well, he, uh, yeah, one season. He's not in. Once he's in. Yeah, he's not in that. Yeah, good point. Uh, if we do Gone Baby Gone. I can tell the story about how Laird would not stop laughing at the scene where Titus Welliver keeps referring to the the dead child as a roast <laughs> we'll do gone baby gone gone girl and gone with the wind there we go perfect there we go. it's there about go. time we there covered you go. there we go Guffa. Guffa. pretty crazy right. let's, <laughs> let's get started let's train this day all right let's train it it's Car one day training dude. day one oh, day yeah also, like, oh, I, I, I can and will go on and on about Denzel's incredible performance in this, but it's, of course, uh, balanced out by Ethan Hawke's incredible Ethan performance Hawk. in this. He's very good, too. I think that they're both doing wildly different things, and they fit together extremely well. Like, they're, they're so good together that it, may, it, missed, it fools you into thinking it's a better movie than it is. Uh, like, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 the movie tells you what kind of movie it is in the last, like, third where you're like, oh, I thought that this was like a... I thought this was up to something. <laughs> I thought that this movie was legit. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's a fucking dumb action movie. Like, hey, yeah. what, what were you... But like Denzel's doing the all the fun things in the world. And Ethan yeah. Hawke is doing an incredible version of a normal man. He's such a dork in this, though. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's like Ethan Hawke at his dorkiest, like brushes hair straight forward, just showcasing that beautiful crooked teeth smile, just being like a total dork in this. And it's it's amazing played against Denzel in it. Yeah. And it's just like this. This just reminds me of dudes that I knew in high school that went on to be cops, you know, dudes that I'd be on the football team with or something like that. There's there's not. They're not, they're just, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't, I'm not trying to sound insulting about it or anything like that, but just kind of like a regular guy. He doesn't have any wild ambitions or anything like that. He's, he's just the kind of guy who would become like a police officer, wants to have a nice house with his wife. And, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, 20 years. He's not like particularly <laughs> heroic. We know that he's a decent ish kind of guy, but he's willing to be, he's on board with a lot of the shit that Denzel makes him do because he thinks that it's, how like you he, do it. he he basically gets pushed into some level of heroism by the end pushed very hard yeah um, he has he, basically the worst day ever it's a pretty bad day <laughs> and training okay, day is not fun i would i just <laughs> wanted to point out just to give you an idea of how kind of fucking incredible this movie is until it falls apart until the inevitable collapse um and i i like the collapse too but but we'll get to it um is that the 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 famous moment in this movie where Denzel makes him smoke PCP? Yeah, that happens at minute sixteen. Yeah, yeah, and you guys, Way I don't know if movie. you know, but the minimum, like, um, for what he smoked, he's. I looked it up. <laughs> I looked up how high are you on PCP? You are gonna be high for <laughs> at minimum six hours up yeah. to 24 hours. This entire day he's high on PCP. This is a fucking nightmare. This is like the worst day you could have. You're also, my favorite moment in the movie so is paranoid. Smokes to be PCP. So it's You're so gonna good. be so paranoid with 
And then I was like, whoa, what if you could argue that this whole day is just like, like a delusion of of Ethan Hawke on his PCP trip and nothing this bad ever actually happened. Ooh. Just a death dream. Just, yeah. like those, just like those theories that Inception, like the whole thing of Inception's a dream. We got to get that going yeah. with uh, so what if, like, what if like at the very end of this movie, instead of ending how it did, he just woke up and he was still in the car after smoking that PCP. Yeah. And Denzel's and then, next then to him. Denzel gets to do the line again. Didn't yeah. know you had to get wet. <laughs> oh, and it starts all over again. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. here we go again. And then it like, and then Snoop Dogg rolls by on the wheelchair and looks at the camera. And he's like, and it's like his eyes turn to fire. He's the devil. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, perfect. <laughs> Vanity, my favorite <laughs> deadly sin. but that's not what happens but he does have pcp and by that logic he is high during most of this training day because he likes to get wet he likes to get butt naked and it's and it's really stuff that's happening that you really don't want to be high on it no (laughs) on a super hallucinogen i would Um, never want to be like that especially like to be that level of high (laughs) Like with Denzel Washington in that character. Oh my god! Like that's I would, I would want to do that. I would do that. No. Yeah, I would, I would not survive. One hundred percent. If somebody was like, "You're gonna here, here, here's your chance to smoke PCP and hang out with Denzel Washington in aggro mode," I'd be like, "This is never gonna happen to me again." Let's go. I guess you could argue that that, that would, be, would a, be a one of a kind experience. If it sure. kills me, at least I went out swinging. I mean, that would be, <laughs> be a good one. That would, I mean, you couldn't turn it down if someone was like, would you like to hang out with Denzel Washington all day? Yeah. Well, you have There's to smoke one this thing. Shirt. You have to smoke, you have to get butt naked. Yeah. Before, exactly. before doing you need, like take my clothes off? No, 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 no. No, no, I mean, no. If you no, take no. your clothes off, that might happen, but. Didn't know you like to get wet though. But naked, um, that sherm, just what you had. Yeah, so, the, so initially the, when it was like he was forcing him to smoke weed, because I forgot that it was PCP at first. And I was like, oh, yeah, doesn't he get like really, really high? Like he just gets really stoned. And I was like, that's got to suck. And then as soon as he was like, it's it's angel dust PCP. I was like, oh, wait, fuck. Like, yeah. this is way worse. I like their initial meeting in the uh, diner a lot, too, or where he's like, can I read my paper? All right, now you tell me a story. Since you won't let me read my paper, you tell me a story. And he yeah. tells a story about his like his training officer. And then Denzel immediately starts with this homophobic stuff. <laughs> He's such oh a, yeah, he asks if she has lick, a liquor, liquor license. license. Yeah. Lick her license. Lick her license. Is she a lesbian? Uh, and and he's like, "But you tapped that ass, didn't you?" <laughs> and he tells her, and Ethan Hawke tells him like a pretty good story about a like a, stop. He saves a person. He like yeah, literally a stops story. a murder. Like no cop has that fucking story. And, uh, and he's like, you you didn't fuck your superior officer who was a lady. That's after all, like he's 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 a pretty fucked up dude from the start. But he keeps on pawning it off as if it's part of his training sort of thing. And he's yeah. really good at that, like um, uh, at that sort of like everything's a test. Yeah, and he's, it, right. he's such a gaslighter in this. He's like. He's like such a manipulative, like gaslighting boyfriend in this. Like <laughs> he's, he's straight up like forces this guy to do all this sort of really fucked up shit and like makes him really uncomfortable. And then he basically 
is like, oh, well, you have like, you got to do this or else, you know, you're not going to make it as one of like the big shots or whatever. And then once he once he does it, he just like love bombs him and is like, oh, that was so awesome. You got the magic eye. You've got it. I know you're better than all the rest. This is why. And then that kind of draws him in. So he keeps like pushing away and drawing him back in. Like what a toxic, what a toxic relationship. These two. Yeah. It's a it's a true uh, there's a lot that I like about this movie. I really I, this aside from the fact that it's patently bad at the end. I basically love this movie. And that's my favorite thing about it is these cycles and the cycles get funnier and funnier every time it happens where he's like weird and off kilter. Then he makes him do something fucked up. Then he uh, and then he like sweet talks him into like yeah. coming. Back. Well, for, before sweet talking, he, he, he does the, do the fucked up thing. And then he goes like, this is the way it is. This is the way we have to do it. You may not like it, but this is the reality and this is how we get our job done. Yeah, and you want to go home. And then, it, yeah. and then they, 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 this cycle happens like four times. And by the last time it happened, like the, the, I think the third or fourth time it happens, he, he has, he has just murdered someone in front of Yeah, him. it's after Scott, if after, it's after they kill Scott Glenn and he's like, all the other guys have their guns on Ethan Hawke and he's like, no, no, everybody relax. This guy's the best. He got yeah. the drop on all of you motherfuckers. And then he talks to him in the car. I mean, it, it couldn't be worse. And he and he does it again. He snaps yeah. back into the, and he calls him son like three times at this point. He's like, I'm going to really have to call this guy's son a couple times on this one. <laughs> and I, I'm not 100% sure Ethan Hawke is entirely on board this time, but the fact that he's even in the car with him is incredible. And then by, and then at the, at the very end, he tries that one more time and Ethan Hawke, like his completely, the spell is completely broken at this point and Ethan Hawke like laughs at him. It's like a really funny moment where that part, the, the part at the end where he goes like, you passed the test, Jake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah and you like, the gun. Fuck you. you. <laughs> it's really funny, um, but but he he basically gets the the mind games going at the beginning in that fantastic cafe scene, where you're just like this this yeah. is this is a guy who is going to be very <laughs> fun to watch. Like you you get you get a hint of like just how much of a character Denzel is before you even see him. He calls a, a Jake. Uh, uh, Ethan Hawke's character is like just at his home with his with his wife and she answers the phone and, you, and is just talking to Denzel and you, just her reaction to him. Yeah. <laughs> She's just like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. She's okay. like immediately like like, like he's laughing. obviously flirting with her or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she's yeah, into she's, it. She's laughing, she's but also kind of like her eyelashes and blushing. Yeah. Oh, it's Denzel on the phone. Uh, I think you better talk to this guy. Jeez. And then they and then they go out. Um, they have their little cafe thing. Uh, Ethan won't let him re- read his newspaper. And then they hit the streets. They go out into the office, which is which is Denzel's black car. Yeah, it's a, uh, a bouncing car. <clears throat> Monte Carlo, I think is what it it's is. It's a maybe. Monte Carlo, absolutely. And uh, and he starts running his game on him. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, his, his recurring line that Denzel has is "boom." It's like a <laughs> it's a it's a famous uh, it's a classic. <laughs> uh mem or uh gif that or jif however it, that's pronounced it's a mem gif and jif it's a mem gif and jif and a meme um that uh, of, the, of the close-up of him in the cafe going boom but there's a much funnier one where, <laughs> where he tells jake to tell him that story and he goes like he's like all right now jake now tell me the story he's like all right well uh uh i'm in the i'm in the car and we pull someone over and he goes boom <laughs> he goes ah and he goes you never know anyways keep going <laughs> Like I'm just he's just wildly entertaining right out of the gate and it just gets better and better. It gets just it just this movie just keeps getting darker and it's like a heart of darkness sort of thing almost where they I mean, I feel like I feel like in the hands of maybe a 
more subtle writer and a more talented director, you'd have something like that. But this is pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward David Ayer machismo and it's like nicely stylized debut feature from Antoine Fuqua who went on to do lots of action movies, has worked with Denzel as many times as Tony worked with Denzel, but in my opinion, has never made anything like truly great. This is probably still his best movie. Yeah. Did Fuqua do the replacement killers before this? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So this is not his debut. Yeah. So it's, yeah, you're right. But still, you're it's, right a, it's his second movie and replacement killers wasn't very good. And then, Correct. and then, and then this movie is like, damn, I actually think he, he does a pretty good job. Oh my, yeah. My, my complaints are, are made with that final third or with the script. With the script. Yeah. I don't think Fuqua is the problem here at all. I actually um, like some of the he I think he shoots L.A. really well, really well. Yeah. Oh, totally. the, he's a good action director. He shoots the action solidly. Yeah. Um, and and I, like just these little subtle touches where when the, the, the part where Ethan Hawke is on. First of all, Denzel puts a gun to his head <laughs> to make him smoke the drug. And he doesn't even know it's PCP at first. He just thinks it's weed. And then later he's like, he puts a gun to his head in the middle of the intersection. He's like, it's not like it's not like anyone put a gun to your head. Yeah, and that and you see Ethan Hawke being like, wait, what? Did he really put a gun to my head, or am I just high on PCP? Before this happens, though, the way they get this PCP is they do a bust on these college kids. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Uh, they see this (laughs) this uh, green like 2000s new VW Bug, which was like the iconic early 2000s vehicle. I really wanted one very badly when I was like 10 years old. Um, they bust these these two guys and their girlfriend in the back seat who are blasting Papa Roach. <laughs> yeah, last resort. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And they scare the shit. Denzel scares the shit How out of them. How do you guys recognize this shit? That pa- was a, Papa that was... Roach last resort? Matt, are you kidding me? I'm no, not kidding. I know, that, I know that one. That was a I really I haven't listened to hit. new music in like 20 years. This no, cannot I... be a Miss New Booty situation. It's this... 100% one of those. I bet if you played that song for me, I'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard that, but I didn't know what it was called or who, who did it. This was 20 years ago too, so. Yeah. Okay. It's not like, well, it's not we're like gonna, Papa we're Roach is like writing these enduring classics that I've been listening <laughs> to for 20 years. Well, this is one of them. It's okay. the, uh, it's, it's, I, I promise you, it's the only one. It's the only one. But anyways, uh, these kids are scared shitless. Uh, Ethan Hawke is also like, you can tell he's really, really like, okay, what the fuck is happening? But I'll still just like hold out my gun and just like back him up. They get what Ethan Hawke thinks is just literally like a nug of weed. And then dirt let's, weed let's Mexican them go. brick pack yeah lets them go and then that is when he makes even hawk smoke the weed or the weed a proper nar- a proper narcotics yeah. agent must know and love narcotics in fact to, to be truly effective at his job you should have narcotics in your blood at all times yep what and, and so he's like, okay. And then he's like, did you ever, have you ever smoked this before? And he's like, in 12th grade, maybe was the last time I smoked weed. So, you know, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's a good boy. Or yeah. he was. Oh, there's a really, uh, after he, he smokes this, uh, this weed, he goes, when's the last time he smoked weed? This is after like a, a lot of weird shit's happening and he's high and he's like, when's the last time he smoked weed? And he goes, uh, I don't know. When I was in high school, we were, um, we were, and he goes, you were smoking, smoking weed. weed. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we were smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> and, then shit sta- and then shit starts to get, and of course, and Denzel points a fucking gun at his head and goes like, boom, that's how you're dead. If you refuse, if you refuse to smoke drugs in front of a guy, that's how they know that you're an undercover cop and you're dead. And this isn't a game, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's always got, knows the exact 
horrifying right thing to say to, to, to manipulate Ethan Hawke up until the very end, practically. Yeah. Uh, and now Ethan Hawke is on PCP. <laughs> Allegedly. That's never Insane. actually proven. Well, I, 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 I'm inclined to believe it in the in the at least in the movie. Sure. Uh, but that's mean, what Denzel says. Yeah, I mean, but he does say a lot of shit. <laughs> I guess. Well, I'm he's, just saying, high, like, he's high on something. He's definitely high. I'm just saying, like, we don't, we actually don't know for sure that there's PCP in there. Yeah, I guess we can't. It's not like Denzel's a reliable narrator, of course. Yeah, that's true. Um, basically, he, they, this entire day is Denzel going to different places and interacting with different kind of inner city uh, criminals and basically just like sticking Ethan Hawke at the kids' table every time he goes somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah. you sit in this chair, you play with this kid, you literally sit over at that table and eat some food while I talk with the grown ups type vibe. <laughs> yeah. I and love then that he makes scene. Him, yeah. Yeah. Or, or it's, he's it's a... all part of his plot to sort of set Ethan Hawke up to help him kill this guy and steal his money because he needs a bunch of money to pay off a Russian gambling debt. Yeah, he is. He is, in fact, completely out of pocket this whole yeah. time. This is his plan that he's put together hastily. I, I feel like he says he's been planning it all week um, because this stuff, the, these needs that he has have arisen recently. Yeah. And, and this is well, they talk about it. He like went to Vegas and got into some trouble gambling and caused a scene. He beat a Russian gangster's son to death, I believe, or a friend or something like that. I mean, this guy is completely out of control. I I love the way that you you gradually they gradually tease out and reveal exactly what kind of guy Denzel is, because he's as scary and intimidating as he is. He's wildly charismatic. He is, in fact, a high ranking. This isn't a lie. He really is. Yeah. This cop that is like a legend in the force who has. 15,000 man hours of incarceration or whatever his stats are and all that sort of shit. Yeah. He's friends with all these upper, that's like part, part of the stuff, some of the stuff that just really well, he, works. He's friends with the upper crust guys because he kicks back to them. Absolutely. I mean, it, cause it's all, it's all basically presented oh, right. as like a kind of mafia <laughs> sort of thing, uh, which is, I, I don't think is uh, all that untrue. I enjoy the, the, the three crews in this movie. Cause there's Denzel's crew and Denzel's crew is fucking, it's Denzel. It's Peter Green. Yeah. It's Dr. Dr. Dre, Dre and Nick Chinland from Con Air. And then a fourth guy who I don't know. And I, I don't remember seeing anywhere else. I think it's funny that Doc, for some reason, I think it's funny that Dr. Dre's name is Paul in this. Yeah. Paul. <laughs> it's, I don't also, know. it's also funny that Ethan Hawke literally punches Dr. Dre. In this. Yeah. Hey, Paul. <clears throat> I'm gonna fucking kill you. You're like Ethan Hawk still has to deal with Paul after all this. What do you think about it? Like that Paul seems like not 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 a person to be fucked with. Well, uh, don't forget. Definitely don't forget about him. That's all. And, and who's the other guy who looks like uh who everyone says looks like Scarface? What you mean in Denzel's crew? In, De- in Denzel's crew. That's the fourth guy who I don't recognize. Just some guy, but he's dressed like Scarface. And then there's then there's the like the shooter, the shooting board guys, like the higher oh my ups, gosh. and that's Tom Berenger, Raymond J. Barry, and Harris Eulen. I love these guys. And there I is love that, these guys. like I texted you guys, there is that scene where Denzel is introducing Ethan Hawke to all of these guys, and he's kind of, <laughs> say, he's saying their name, and he's saying something about him, and I was just like, God damn it. I hope, I hope the guy with epilepsy from At Close Range pops up. <laughs> 
what was his name? Pine or something? Tony Pine. Tony Pine. Tony yeah. Pine. He's like, here's this guy. He's the, uh, he's, the, he's the shooting board. Here's this guy who's in charge of payroll. Here's Tony Pine. He's epileptic. <laughs> <laughs> that would, I think you could do that. I think you somebody could cut that together. Someone could cut it together. <laughs> that's possible. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's in the hands of the audience now. Yeah, do, do it if you can. The but I love it. There's also the third crew at the end of the movie. That's the the like the Latin gangbangers. And oh, they're great yeah. too. Cliff Curtis, and then um, uh, uh, Raymond Cruz, who's who's the fucking hilarious one in this. And his character's name is Sniper. Dude, Sniper's so Sniper. scary. Sniper's very scary. And then Noel Gugliami, who you've seen in a million of these. I love him. That guy. He's always like that guy, anyone, but he's great at that guy. I feel like if anyone's on PCP, it's Sniper. It's Sniper. Sniper's, <laughs> absolutely, Sniper's probably just on meth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, there's there's another cruise that you forgot to mention. Mm. And, and it's Terry, Terry Cruz shows up for a second. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like in the background of like the neighborhood gang scene. I don't Wait, think he has what? any lines. I didn't know. He just no. shows Terry up like Cruz half a second. This? Yeah. He's just he's just looking like Terry Crews. That's it. This is before he he graduated to speaking roles in movies. I believe he's uncredited in this movie. Yeah, amazing. Terry Crews just just buff as hell. Yeah, just just lifting weights in the front yard. It's kind of funny too, just because of the career that Terry Crews has had. In this movie, at the beginning, he's he is just supposed to be like a scary tough guy, and you're like, that guy's not scary. Look at him, he's funny. It's Terry Crews. Wasn't, wasn't Terry Crews? Wasn't Terry Crews in Inland Empire? Well, I don't remember. That's a like, question. Is it, I think he was. I think that's another surprising Terry Crews cameo. Cruise control. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, anyway, so Ethan Hawks is uh Ethan Hawks? Ethan Hawk is um is on Hawks is said. high is high on PCP. And I very much uh love the way Fuqua shoots this. He doesn't overdo it with like PCP vision or anything. He puts this right. kind of interesting green filter I, I think it still looks great and and fuqua makes some pretty cool choices uh, in this movie um but that, that's when they go to uh, scott glenn's house all the pieces are coming together scott glenn one of my uh, all-time favorite character actors and he is just in a very weird mode a lot of yeah. a lot of great character actors getting to be like weird and kind of scary in this which is great mm -hmm. and he tells and he tells the joke yes <laughs> one of my favorite movie jokes of all time I don't. I, I, I can't snail. tell. It's about the snail. I can't. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but like, it's it's really funny because either, I mean, again, like like the whole hanging out with Denzel on PCP. Imagine having to listen, endure this joke on PCP. I think the joke's really funny. So no, I think it's great too. But 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 it does not go in where right <laughs> it doesn't. Basically, it's like there's a snail, right, and it comes and it comes up. Uh, crawls up onto somebody's porch and the guy takes the snail and throws it across the yard and the snail gets all smashed and beat up and the snail well, it eventually pulls itself together crawls all the way back up to the porch again and then the same guy comes out and so and the, you, you have to point out that it's like it takes a year like a year later it takes a year a year later crawls this way back up to the porch again same guy comes out looks at the snail and says what the fuck's your problem <laughs> <laughs> and he just stares at Ethan Hawke and Ethan Hawke laughs. And then he looks back at them and they're both just staring at him. <laughs> he's like, that's not funny. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird. And Scott like, Glenn is some drug dealer who is like on his way to retirement and uh, save, has saved up a bunch of money. But he's a former cop too. He's a former cop. Yeah. But he's been, he's been slanging on the side. And like yeah. we, when we first meet him, he's called, he gets a phone call from someone who's like, nah, I can't help you. That's your problem. And yeah. like hangs up on him. Somebody wants him to bail him out or something like that. 
yeah and uh and so he, he's basically just denzel and and uh ethan hawk hanging out with this guy and then they and then they this weird <laughs> this very weird guy and then they leave and then sort of like we'll we'll come back to that uh, yeah. in in disturbing fashion and they continue on and they go and they hassle a bunch of they they hassle two pop stars yeah <laughs> back to back the back-to-back pop star hasslings uh with snoop dogg in a, in a scene where snoop dogg's in a wheelchair and jimmy crack corn and they make him vomit up the uh crack that he that was swallowed. so gross yeah it's nasty and this is just more stuff where ethan hogg is just like watching and going like what the fuck are we what is what is this, is this, is this, is this, I don't know, this sucks then they and then they go harass Macy Gray who is Macy playing Gray. herself. I love Macy Gray. <laughs> she, she is absolutely not doing a character here. This is how I imagine <laughs> she actually is in real life. Yeah, she. They have a fake warrant to get into her house. Where it's her, not even her, a fake warrant. It's no, a it's a restaurant. Yeah, it's a restaurant. Menu. <laughs> I love that joke. Uh, and they they make her sit down at the on the couch with her nephew and and Denzel goes trashes her room and pockets a bunch of money and then she asks for the warrant he hands her the menu and then she's like I was like should I try to do a Macy Gray impression I don't want to try uh, I, I do, like, about it. I do I, like the part where Denzel's turning over the bedroom and he's in the and Ethan Hawk's in the living room with her oh and she's my like God. and she's like market ass trick ass cop she's a punk Dude, ass and she punk tries, ass bitch ass crooked ass cop yeah. and then Ethan Hawk tries to fist bump the little boy yeah. <laughs> and he just is like no no that's <laughs> so embarrassing it's, it's actually really funny because she goes you punk ass bitch ass crooked ass cop and he goes give me a break okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and so and this is all like again ethan uh, ethan hawk is uh behind the wall of information here doesn't not does not know what's going on but all that's happening is denzel washington is jacking up this place he's yeah. just stole money from this he's guy stealing a bunch of that's money that's it that's yeah. all that's happening and and she knows it and then all these uh all these gangsters from the neighborhood she just runs out and goes that guy's a jacker he's not a cop and then they get a fucking crazy gun fight yeah <laughs> again denzel washington talks his way out of it I do like that the three bullet holes in the rear windshield of the Monte Carlo stay there the whole rest of the movie. It's just like that really cool shot, like where they're driving away from the scene and just starts on the three bullet holes. It's really good. <laughs> when he has to get the car back from valet and he goes, Yeah, it's the Monte Carlo with the back window shot out. Jesus Christ. He's like I'm shaking yeah. his head. <laughs> it's Monte Carlo with the back window shot out. <laughs> yeah, that's before they even have their, their fucking lunch with the three wise men, as he calls them. And, yeah. Uh, uh, it, again, like these, just one thing after another that's completely unacceptable. But the 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 fact that one of the many reasons that Denzel's performance is so triumphant in this is that he talks his way out of it, and you believe it. Yeah, like you totally buy it. Like it doesn't feel like a movie contrivance that Ethan Hawke is keeps going on, going go, is continues to be on board with this sort of stuff. Yeah, it's not like the why doesn't the guy put the camera down in a found footage movie? You know, yeah. it actually does. It makes perfect psychological mm-hmm. sense that he would keep doing this. Yeah, he's a, he's ambitious. It's been established at the beginning that he wants to have one of those nice houses that the high-ranking police officers have. Yeah, he says to him he says at the very beginning, like, you know what I kind will... of house that guy lives in? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they, and then he tells Denzel one of the first things he says to him, "I will do anything that you ask." But yeah. he certainly he certainly doesn't think that his boss is going to be a completely unhinged, basically <laughs> psychopath psychopath who has his own who's established his own fiefdom. Yeah. Well, so he, yeah. they go to the three wise men and they, the three wise men are like, you are out of line. You need to fix this shit. How did you ever screw up so bad? <laughs> Tom Berenger. Uh, yeah. Anytime I see Tom Berenger in, in a movie in the last 20 years, I'm always overjoyed. 
I know. I love seeing him pop up in his elder statesman years, so to speak. And what's the name of the actor? I mean, there's also The Wrong Kid Died. That's Raymond J. Barry. Raymond J. Barry. And who's the one with the ass crack That's pack Her- full of... Harris Yulin. Harris Yulin. Harris Yulin, of course. Who's been around forever and is very scary in this. He gets to do his little speech yeah. or his little story about the, the crazy guy who's got his yeah. ass crack packed full of extra chunky jiff. And what? he takes his hand out and he licks it clean. Yeah. And then there, and then Denzel goes, <laughs> and these these are high ranking members of the LAPD. <laughs> and uh, Denzel goes like, "Hey, he played. You got to hand it to him. He played the system. And he deserves to get away with it." You know what, Alonzo? I'm gonna find this guy and I'm gonna murder him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyways, how, how was your day? Yeah, you kind of see Denzel in when he's talking to the wise men. He's not on top as much as he is. Because yeah. of, obviously, because of power dynamics and of race dynamics, also, and it's like the one time you see him trying to like keep up and impress other people, kind of like yeah. how Ethan is Haw- Ethan Hawk was trying to do with him before. So. He has to he has to shift his demeanor mm-hmm. to be like I mean he's he's he kind of like works for them and he's they're all like their own little criminal syndicate within the within the police force. Yeah, they don't think he's as fucking cool as everyone else that we've seen before and after does. I also like think that this is an, an important scene as as far as the, um, this this movie in its dis- discussion of police police corruption in general. In that, like, I I think that this is you know it, this is a movie version of it, of course, but I think that this is accurate and this sort of stuff goes on. And I do think that there are good cops out there, and I think that they get sent to the back table like Ethan Hawke does in this scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> to the game like, table. All, all us uh, crooked cops are gonna commiserate here. You just go sit over there. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, like, do you want do you want a little plate of food over here? You want yeah, to eat go, while go, we're get, talking? go get yourself go get yourself something to eat, and we'll sit over here and and do our fucked up shit. And I think I, I have a strong suspicion that that's sort of what it's like. Uh, mm-hmm. In I think that this movie actually is pretty smart until it's not. Until yeah, it, yeah, until it falls apart. Until it falls apart completely for me at the end. Of, of all the movies that we're going to be covering on this episode, I think this is one that has the most to say about. Um, police corruption mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff all sorts of stuff we also neglected to mention the part where ethan hawk saves a girl from being assaulted in an alley that's very important oh, very that important. Really important turns out to be very important and that and that's uh and that's where he's he's just fighting with two full-on like comic book style villains just just pure troglodyte like orcs or something that's like right after he smokes right after he smokes the pcp and they're driving and he he makes denzel pull the car over because he sees something runs down to an alley and sees this girl who turns out to be 14 years old being like tried being not being raped yet but in the process of it by two thugs Mm -hmm. and uh and they're just and they're just like crackhead rapist guys and they're and they're trying to rape her and he he fights both of them and eventually denzel shows up kind of after it's all over and and just sort of torments one of them ends up they he ends up letting them both go yeah and like hits one hits one of them makes one of them pull his pants down so he can hit him in the dick with his pistol oh he asks uh, him which ball he wants to save i got i gotta i gotta <laughs> tell you it really doesn't if you're getting hit in the, in the crotch with a with a rear end of a pistol it really doesn't matter whether your pants are up or down i don't, I don't think it makes a whole, a whole <laughs> hell of a lot of difference um and like and one and like that that's one of the parts of the of the movie i mean 
it ends up really not ringing true later on. But like, I, I think that this movie is pretty smart about a lot of things. And then just having these guys who are like, she's all woman though. You can text that shit for days. And just like these full on, just like r- ridiculous, just weird aliens, hissing alien bad guys kind of like is yeah. a check is a check mark against it. That doesn't bother me as much. And the, co- the coincidental sort of uh, nature of the, of where it goes later doesn't bother me. Although that that scene that that crucial scene later is the beginning of the end for the movie, in my opinion, like that's where the movie starts to fall off for me. But it's not because I think that that is too much of a coincidence to to be plausible. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons that it falls out. It's no it's no one thing, um, but we're getting there. Um, so it's all like, no, did Scott Glenn, he met with the three wise men and, th- and things well, just keep getting worse and worse. Like, Here's my plan. I'm going to tax this guy. Th- that's right. He's getting permission to do his big, his big move with the three wise yeah. men. Yeah. Like, okay, go ahead. And that's when they, Ooh. that's when we meet uh, Denzel's crew. And then they, they start to go in on Scott Glenn. Uh, when, when he meet, they, they meet on the rooftop of a building, very classic mm-hmm. L.A. movie shit. And uh, the thing that Dr. Dre says to Ethan Hawke is very funny. He's introducing, <laughs> he's like, uh, this is this is Jake and this is uh, blah, blah, and who's it's And here's Paul. And Paul looks at Ethan Hawke and goes, you're a long way from Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dr. Dre is pretty good in this. Yeah, he is. I, I love like Peter him. Green in this a lot. I think Peter Green's really good as his as the the sort of low henchman. Is he the one that gets shot? He's the one that gets shot. He's, he's dead. dead from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. he's great oh, in a movie called fuck. Clean Shaven. Oh, um, that movie is good. Yeah. He's in the he's in the mask. Yep, he's the bad guy <laughs> in the mask. Oh, we should also talk about Denzel, uh, Denzel and Eva Mendez and their yeah. son who he's not around for. So are they, because earlier he's like, I'm married. No, I think that's just one of his women. Yeah. This is a, this is a mistress. Yeah. And he, has, he, he says he's got kid. four boys and he doesn't, he doesn't, oh, I, yeah, I think it's implied that, that maybe huh? a couple of them are from other, <laughs> from other women, not just yeah. his wife. He has a really cute little son who he goes and, and to see Eva Mendez and like, probably just goes and has sex with her or whatever and he makes ethan hawk sit on the couch and watch tv with this kid another another instance of him you know making ethan hawk just be the like kid who follows him around mm-hmm. you hang out um, with my kid you're at the little kid's table yeah and it's very sweet because it's like time has passed and ethan hawk and the little boy like fall asleep on the couch watching cartoons together yeah very sweet yeah, and Denzel, uh, and Denzel has this weird moment with his kid too, like because yeah. you know, we as we find out by the end of the movie that he's a fully unrepentant, like psychopathic lunatic, like a full bad guy, but he still has this like weird moment. This I don't, I don't know if it's a tender moment, but uh, an interesting one on one moment with his kid when he's speaking Spanish to him. Estoy yeah, he, he asks how he is. He asks him yeah. how he is, and he says he's growing. Like, oh, I see you're growing up or whatever, and then that's about it. And it's yeah. like that. I feel like that's all he can muster in his life. That's like yeah. the amount of tenderness that he has available. And it's just in that moment with that kid. The next moment that we see them together, he'll be threatening. He'll be threatening to kill his son to, in, <laughs> in order to escape. <laughs> pretty fucking pretty bad guy. Well, yeah. he, he's about to get to like his, his the, the full on bad guy shit. And this is the part where you're just kind of like, there's no way he'll be ever be able to talk his way out of this one. Is they go back to Scott Glenn's place, him and his whole crew, and he's like, I've, I got the permission from the from the guys, and and, he, and Scott Glenn's like, oh man, they're they're tur- they're 
they, they let you do this this sucks and he's like don't worry your pension's secured or something like that yeah and yeah like, ah! and he's still in scotland is still just sort of like well this sucks for me but this is the business you know he, he's, he just, who's he's gonna not, pay for my floor yeah who's gonna, he's like the city of los angeles is gonna pay for his floor and uh and then he, they denzel takes all his money which is eight million dollars or something. something like that yeah They've got us. Oh, they've it's got four a, million dollars because then million. he said it's three million because one million is the tax. The tax they're taking. That, that's right. right. They still ha- are on the somewhat under the auspices of being police officers, which they are. Mm-hmm. They are. Yes, really, they they are. really are police officers. Yeah, this <laughs> is the shield gonna, before the shield. Absolutely, and they're going to pawn this off as being police business. And and Ethan Hawke, and this is more shit that Ethan Hawke is just seeing and going like, I guess this is, uh, Denzel keeps telling me this is the what it's like, so I guess this, what the fuck do I know? And then eventually he gets to the point where the, you, you would think the final line has been crossed, and that's and that's Denzel telling him to shoot Scott Glenn. He doesn't yeah. believe it. He still thinks this is all <laughs> a game. Got to be a game. Scott Glenn is just like, yeah, go ahead, kid, shoot me. Boom. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Denzel takes it, picks up the shotgun and fucking blasts him. Like, literally... Yeah. And it's brutal too, like a really good squib, and Scotland yeah. just going <laughs> like unmistakable. It's cool when you do it too. Thank you. I'm a very good actor. <laughs> I'm so weird. And then so they shoot weird, Peter Travis. Green a couple of times too to make it look good. <laughs> they shoot it. This is so funny. Uh, These guys they are shooting so with his vest on, but dead, but he misses a little bit and, <laughs> and nicks him. He hits <laughs> him in the he hits him in the gut here. Oh fuck. <laughs> And he's like in the corner praying while the other guys are just arguing about what to do next. Yeah, Ethan Ethan Hawk turns his gun on Denzel. It like it like knocks him out, or it doesn't knock him out, but he not he punches him, takes him to the ground, and he's got his shotgun on Denzel. He's yeah, like, he's like, "There will not same. be pointing a gun at me ever again." This is he it. goes, like, "That is tw- it's twice you've pointed a gun to me today. There will not be a third. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, like it it almost feels like this is just instinct kicking in with Ethan Hawk. He's he's really reached his limit. And uh, and and now it's a complete fucking mess because the other three guys are, are full are villains just like Denzel and they're like I'm gonna blow him away. Paul in particular really wants to blow him away, and this is Denzel again talking his way out of the thing. Amazingly, yeah. no, no, no. This is just a smart kid who's yeah, got his he's head, got you know, the magic eye. Got the magic eye, and this this guy's better than all three of you guys combined. Now put your guns down. All this they they finally do. Ethan Hawke punches Paul Dr. Dre in the face. And then, uh, and then all, and then you, you get this shot of like all the, the the ambulances and the other cops have arrived. They've got their story straight. And Denzel, <laughs> this is I love this kind of ominous shit, where Denzel is in the uh, cop car and Ethan Hawke's the kind of like walking towards him, and and Denzel kind of like is like, "Come on over, we're gonna have a conversation." But before he hangs up, he goes, "Yeah, make sure that the bathtub's clean." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, hmm, wonder what that means. It's probably nothing, and. Uh, Gets into the car and, and this is where this is where Denzel really has to turn on the fucking paternalistic uh, wise man. This is the way the world is type of stuff. It's like it's it behooves you not to dick around on this one is a line that he has that I really yeah, like. Yeah. He's just like Roger sold dope to kids. If you really want to stop the poisoners and this is this is how you do it. Ethan Hawke says, it can't be like this. It is, and I know it's ugly, and I know it hurts, but you got to use it. You've got to change things from the inside, son. Classic. Classic he he calls him son three times in this. Like, if you want to get a, a man that's younger than you to do what you say, you really got to pull out the, the son. <laughs> I do that all the time. You got to. Uh, it, 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 I, I still I don't feel like, like Ethan is 100% swayed 
but I, I do think no. he's just sort of like, let's just fucking get this day over with whatever. Uh, I am very, I'm very rattled. I'm still high on PCP. I just want to <laughs> go home sort of thing. And that's where Denzel takes him to the, the house of the, uh, of the gang of the third crew that we yeah. were talking about. This wonderful crew of gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> Led by Cliff and Curtis. And he brings him a bunch of appliances and then there's money in the boxes with the appliances. He does there's a blender and a, what was the other thing? It's like a, uh, a DVD player. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe if <laughs> the you, guy's you, like, let me get that DVD player. No, you can get the blender, homie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's really funny though. He's like, uh, he's pulling these things out, and he's like, "What? What do you? What's that contraband that you have in the back of your car?" He's like, "Yeah, I, I pull this out of the lockup or something, so I can give it to like poor families or whatever." Believe families, it or not, yeah. believe it or not, I do try to do some good in the community. It's like, yeah. nope, not even that. No, I don't believe you. There's just money in there. <laughs> I don't know and, how I feel about this crew though. At the end, I can't remember how it would have felt to me in 2001, but listening, watching them now, going like, "Yo, homes." It was a little bit like ah, this is a bit of a caricature. Well, in in particular, Cliff Curtis, who is does is not from yeah. of this ethnicity. No, not at all. He's a Navi. I I have to say that, that I think uh, this is what I came up with watching it this time is that the third of the movie is like Cliff Curtis's performance mm-hmm. in that it's it's silly and bad, and I kind of and I do still like it. Right. So mm-hmm. Cliff, Cliff Curtis's voice is fucking insane. It's bananas. No. <laughs> I never. That's why I never shake his hand because he got the. That guy don't believe in nada. It's just absurd. It's, yeah, it's a bit overdone. It's really absurd. But I think. But I'm like, this is so fun. Isn't All he three- from like New Zealand or something? Yeah, He's from New so. Zealand. Absolutely. <laughs> and he plays a. Um, he plays Shake the Shake in The Insider. He the was insider, playing like yeah. every every possible. He's an Iraqi in Three Kings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is this was that now that, he's that a was, he's an avatar too he's interesting he's really done it all i love cliff curtis he's he's great oh yeah he's a great actor and he's uh, definitely doing something here <laughs> it's it's wild man it's a crazy choice and then another he, instance of denzel being like wait at this table with these guys while i go and talk to somebody but yeah. turns out Denzel just left. <laughs> he wants these guys to kill Ethan Hawke for him. Yeah, absolutely. Clean up, the, make sure the bathtub's clean afterwards. First, they're like, let me see your gun, which I think is a really funny bit. And then Sniper is just like, have you ever had your shit pushed in? Like oh, that whole yeah. bit is hilarious. I've had my shit pushed in big time, yeah, he's just baby. Like flexing all of his gross muscles. Like what a nightmare. It's so fucking scary. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm always getting love from the homies. And that's when he likes. And that's when he kind of realizes that it's all that the jig is up, and he's like flailing around, and they're beating him up, and they drag him to a bathtub, and they're gonna blow his brains out. In the yeah, bathtub. they turn the water on and put him by the. Yeah. The, the drain and then like put a gun up to his head and it was like oh, shit this is a really funny little detail too is he's he, he's like close the door it's gonna be loud and then they they pull the shower curtains around so it doesn't spray or spray around and he pulls the shower curtains in front of noel googliami and he goes like come on i can't see and he like puts his head in. <laughs> yeah like, no no i can't see uh it's great i watch his head explode and noel eventually goes like hold on i want to get his money he takes the wall he takes the um mm-hmm. girl who was getting raped's wallet yeah, out of his pocket. Wallet. He's like, "Wait, wait a minute, homie. This is isn't this your niece?" And this is the, this is the the infamous uh, Deus Ex Machina stuff that happens yeah. in the movie. And he's like, "This is my niece." And he's like, "She was getting raped. I saved her life. You can call her. Call her up right now." 
I don't think he, he, he does. He doesn't tell him to call her, but but the but Cliff Curtis calls her up and he's like, "Tell me seriously, were you skipping school?" And she's like, "Yeah, but this white boy came and he saved me." And I guess you probably, if you have him in a bathtub right now, you shouldn't blow his fucking brains out all over the place. <laughs> they let him go. You just you know, keep in mind this wasn't personal, homie. You know, it's business. Yeah, yeah, it's business. And now it's it, 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 so Ethan Hawke, the, these guys also, because they think that they're going to kill him, tell him all this information about Denzel. So now, now, now Ethan knows that all he has to do is stop Denzel from getting money to the Russians by midnight. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all he has to do to kill Denzel Washington. But, but first he has to be mad on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I posted this. He looks this. like every high school boy ever on a school bus. <laughs> he looks like me on any bus. <laughs> it's just so funny. I was like, remember, Holmes, it's not personal. It's just business cut to Ethan Hawke on the bus looking like really pissed off. <laughs> and what goes a back, day. He goes back to this, terif- this supposedly terrifying neighborhood that Denzel is like, don't you ever come into this neighborhood without me? Because yeah. this is the neighborhood that Eva Mendes lives in. And uh, and we get Terry Crews and all these uh, all these great actors that are playing the, the, the I guess they're Bloods the, the gangsters in this neighborhood, and uh, and they basically they like where do you think you're going? And he's like I'm going to kill. But he doesn't say I'm going to kill, but he's like I'm he, the way that he's looking. You can tell what what he means. Yeah, yeah. He's like I'm going for Alonzo, and they like stand aside and let him get let him go. None of no, they don't they don't like Alonzo. They, they hate, hate him. him. They're like under yeah. his thumb. He's a yeah. tyrant. He's just this tyrant in the neighborhood that they have to pretend to like usually. Yeah. And that's where you get this this batshit like action scene where Denzel's right. like, "There's my son." Well, he's uh, got a shotgun my strapped son. to the underside of the mattress or to the underside of the bed in Eva Mendes' room. Yep. Then they have this big fight scene that Ethan Hawke, in my opinion, deservedly loses. There's just like I'm sitting there watching this going, "I'm like, they're not going to try to make me believe that he can beat Denzel in a fight." No. <laughs> No and way. then he doesn't. <laughs> Denzel really handles him. Yeah, he really he just totally mops the floor with him. And you could tell that he would probably finish him off, but he doesn't have a gun on him, and he checks his and he checks his watch, and, and he's really he really does need to get this money short to the Russians. Time. He's short on time. Leaves, um, and then and then he goes back to his car, and this is all kind of done in a. It's not quite an unbroken shot, but almost. And then Denzel and then Ethan jumps possibly from the top of the building. <laughs> Yeah, he jumps it's, off the roof. It's full on absurd at this point. It's just like a crazy action movie now, which is one yeah. of the many, many reasons why this ending is is very weird and discordant. He holds on to the windshield, uh, much like Sean Penn in uh, that movie we watched, Stop <laughs> Close at Range. Close range. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we get a, we get another uh, lunatic holding onto the windshield of a car. <laughs> one of our favorite things. You're weird, kid. <laughs> and and he and then he, and then he, he eventually Denzel like crashes and he's yeah. pretty fucked up from this crash and it's very satisfying when Ethan Hawke like opens the door and just jacks him up and yeah later, him up his car's all times. fucked up too but yet later at the end of the movie the car is in much better condition than it's, it's, it's like, yes yeah, the, the car is totally smashed and he's back in it later whatever uh this is where but you yeah. get the this is where you get the classic like Ethan Hawke decides he's not going to kill him. He all he, he knows all he has to do is just not let him not get that money to the Russians. And he's set. And then Denzel's talking to all the people in the community around like, you guys kill this guy for me. Uh, do what I say or whatever. Yeah, I'll make you, know. you a rich man. You got us twisted, homie. It ain't like that. They they like you got to do your own work. They put the gun down next to him. Ethan Hawke shoots him in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> you shot me in the ass. It's great. I don't, it's fun, but it doesn't, I don't think it works as like a final confrontation for them. I think this is where the movie really falls apart. It's like, 
he lets Denzel go get killed by the Russians. That's not interesting to me. Yeah. It's like the whole movie has been between these two guys and then Ethan Hawke lets him off and goes home and Denzel gets killed by this other thing. And but it's, it's just kind of like, like, but it's kind of like, you know, he, he left him to drown in all of the trash that he thought he was in control of. It's like, sure. you know, he, he created this, this terrible world that he thought he had power over and now he's saying this is you know this isn't how it is you're you're gonna get what's coming to you in this way because what like i mean it's not like we're gonna see ethan hawk like shoot him or kill him you know yeah i i, I agree that it makes sense but i don't think it's it's not emotionally or dramatically satisfying yeah. and also i think it's hopelessly naive to end this movie with ethan hawk getting to happily go back to his wife and kid not being tainted by this yeah, I mean, at the very least, Paul is going to get his ass. I mean, Paul's going to get his ass. He's going to be, I mean, I'm sure he's emotionally tainted. He's going to need to go to therapy for sure. Yeah, but I think we need to see this to have some kind of <laughs> like more full negative dramatic consequence. It needs to be like, well, maybe Ethan Hawke's got a little bit of this in him now, too. They try yeah. to they try to do like one sli- one yeah. last slightly dark thing that they kind of tacked on where where Ethan is walking back to his house very bummed out it's been a bad day yeah, it's been and a bad day. Uh, and you hear like the news report and it's like celebrated police officer Alonzo whatever his last name was was killed in the line of duty and he was in it's just sort of like he was a hero and hero is oh like a, I like that a lot wow. too. I liked that because it was the exact same wording that Denzel had used when he was like threatening to yeah. kill Ethan Hawke. It was Hero literally the cop. exact same. Yeah. Like, Hero cop dies in the line of duty. Yeah. He has survived. He has survived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very <job>. scary. <laughs> um but yeah denzel gets to make his to do his king kong ain't got shit on me speech he at which the is very, great at the very end and it's great denzel's great wall to wall start to finish wall to wall yeah the script fails him he doesn't fail the script absolutely um, i don't think the direction is a problem i think that the script fails at the end yeah it runs out of steam it doesn't it doesn't figure out a way to it, it doesn't figure out a way to conclude it and so it does it falls back on cliche, <laughs> on cliche like standard action movie cliches and stuff like that but it's but i feel like the movie's really strong before then and i do i do still enjoy this stuff at the end too yeah totally uh, even though I, I remember it is like i do remember watching it the first time and thinking like this is a you know a great movie this is like a great movie and then in the end kind of going oh, oh. yeah I remember, yeah, I had the same response scene down in the theater. I was like super into this the whole way. And then at the end, it's like, oh, really? What? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of obviously tons and tons of great lines in this. I wanted to bring this up uh, because it comes up in another movie that we're going to talk about. Um, After he's seen Denzel roughing somebody up or whatever, he goes, are you going to teach me that old Ethan? Ethan Hawke says, he's going to teach me that old school beat up anything that moves Rodney King shit. And, and Denzel goes, we don't do that shit anymore. Now we use this pointing to his head. And you're like, yeah. uh, no. Yeah. And of course, he's, yeah. like, wah, wah. Like, many, like many things he says, that's absolute horse shit. Um, there's a really funny line kind of in the background when they're stealing the weed from those kids uh, in, in, the, uh, in the bug. Mm-hmm. He goes, give me, uh, give me that weed and give me that pipe. And the kid goes, my mom gave me this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I was bummed out that none of the kids are like some actor that is famous now that was their first job. Like if that had been like Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something, that would have made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a thing that Denzel says when he sees a sexy lady walk by. 
uh, all that jelly and no toast. I wrote that down too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is another a line kind of like hinting at the corrupt. They they they're constantly talking about the the corruption that's just completely endemic to the force. It seems like it's a movie that's about that, and that's another part problem with that conclusion. Is it sort of seems like it's not as much like that anymore. It's no, seems that's like texture. It feels like more like an individual's a case of an individual bad yeah. apple, if you will. That's texture here. And that comes up again in Dark Blue. It's the same problem, except that movie's more explicitly about a kind of corruption and then fails to capitalize on it as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they just want to tax you a little bit. You know, they got their boats, mistresses, house payments. They sound like gangsters. And they basically are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got any lines, Emily? Uh, I just had the jelly and toast thing. I had... I'll slap the taste out of your mouth, which is something that Denzel says. We were all saying that for a while. (laughs) Um, uh, I thought it was funny. At one point, he has like 60 bucks and he takes it out of the evidence or whatever. And he's like, we'll we'll use it like like a credit card or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But no, I think that's about, oh, and this fucking lick her license. Lick her license. Did you have a lick her license? (laughs) She's lesbian, etc. Oh, he That's also the story you told me. A drunk stop. <laughs> also, he has a catchphrase that is the thing that he refers to Ethan Hawke as that I certainly won't repeat here. But yes, yeah, he says uh, that quite a lot. He, that he says to him, "My blank." Yes. You can kind of imagine what it is, and it's funny every time. Yeah. Oh, I also have you got the right to be bitch slapped. <laughs> you, got the, you got the right to be bitch slapped. Yeah, Cliff Curtis. Amazing. Uh, ratings. That thing. That thing that he calls. Uh, that he says Ethan Hawke all the time. I, I was all. I was amused when that turned up. Uh, uh, pretty soon after in Rush Hour, in in a terrible piece of attempted humor. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> anyway, uh, ratings. I'm gonna give this three and a half Juds. Maybe. I mean, like borderline four Juds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It, it, it's it's mostly a four Jud movie. I think that that loses a half star at the end for me. Um, for all the reasons we've discussed, tremendous Denzel performance. Love Ethan Hawke. The texture is is fantastic. I just think that the narratively, it's not satisfying at the end. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it like two Douglases, not because of any like explicit sex stuff, but just the, like the air of seediness. You do get some naked Eva Mendes. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have a lot of eroticism or anything to it either. But there's just like this menacing air of like. Denzel is obviously some sort of predatory guy. The the, the gangbangers at the end are obviously implying that they're thinking about raping Ethan Hawke. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Shit pushed in, yes. Yeah, and, and not, like th- there may not be any toast, but you got to admit there's a lot of jelly. There's a lot of jelly. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> so two Douglases, and I'm going to give it ten out of ten uh, PCP lace joints. Damn. <laughs> uh, I, I'm. Yeah. With all the misgivings that we all, I'm sure, rightfully have about it, I got it. I just got to give it four and a half, uh, and and just take the half off because of the stuff that we mentioned. Because I just, I've, I watched this movie like 15 times around the time that it came out, and then I've still watched it semi. And I'll watch it every couple of years. Watching it this time, liked it just as much. It's just a fucking awesome movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't figure out how to conclude, and and it concludes poorly. But I still find it entertaining the entire way through. And when it is hitting on all cylinders, I just think that it's, it's just quite an achievement. And it's Denzel Washington having the most fun. 
Yeah. Like what, a, what a fucking joy to, he's, he is so joyful in this movie and it's a joy to watch. Uh, I'm going to give it two Douglases as well. And I'm going to give it 10 out of 10 pieces of jellied toast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. They have to be jellied and they have to have toast. Some jelly on this toast. I'm going to give it four Judds. Uh, I really like this movie. It's just, it's just solid. Everything you guys already said, I agree with. And I'm going to give it, I'm only going to give it one Douglas uh, just for the, for the rape and the almost rape and the seediness of it all. And I'm going to give it three barfed up bags of crack. <laughs> oh man. Jimmy crack corn. <laughs> That's one, two, three cracks. Uh, yeah, nasty. Uh, speaking of nasty. Speaking of nasty. <laughs> very nasty. Let's let's Wait, talk about. Going? Yeah, let's this talk. Movie, let's talk about narc. Are you familiar with the Michael Calvis case? He was murdered working undercover. Yes, I'm aware of that. We feel that your presence in this investigation would be invaluable. They got a dead cop and dead ends, and they're reaching. Lieutenant Oak, he and Calvis were close. He was the first one in the tunnel that day. He discovered the body. This is all politics. They didn't know him. They don't care about him. They can't forget about him fast enough. I like him. But between you and me... No! He's not stable. <laughs> That's beautiful. How long you been with your wife? I lost her. I'm sorry. It's okay. I like talking about her. I'll tell you this much, I became a much better cop the day she died. Any hesitation I had about the job was gone this movie that seemed so bleak and is very ostentatiously bleak to the to this day to me but it seemed so edgy and and bleak at the time and the opening scene of this movie just had me laughing my ass off this <laughs> exactly time. Had the exact same reaction i didn't i thought it was really scary and intense <laughs> I mean, I definitely thought that when I first saw this, but this time I was like ready for it. I was like, this, I remember this opens with this really intense chase scene and it does. It was just like, oh no, he stabbed two needles full of hot meth into that security guard's neck. And now the guy's like, that guy's gargling. <laughs> that's just like drowning in his own vomit. That guy's gargling was insane. That's only <laughs> one part of the of the whole recipe. Like, and and like, I, I I'm not sure if if we discussed it at the beginning, but like Matt and I both enjoyed this the first time we saw oh, it 20, yeah. 20 years ago. And I was going into this, going like, gonna watch Narc again. Here we go. And uh, and this, it's just two minutes long. This opening sequence, and it's like a real like setting the tone sort of thing. And it's blue. The bluest filter you ever seen in your entire life. It's a very 2002 blue tinge. It has it throughout the entire movie, but it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like what a lot of horror movies have around this time, like the Saw movies and everything. I mean, I guess that was a little later, but sort just like the bluish green, like this is gritty. This yeah. is like, it's this the is someone's gross basement, you know? Ab absolutely. The seediest blue you've ever seen. The handheldiest handheld camera you've ever seen. It's like they put this thing on a fucking paint And it's paint under mixer. too, so everything's sped up. Everything's, oh, so it's just like, chugga, 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 it's blue. And then yeah. people are getting stabbed in the neck with syringes. The whole scene, and people are going, ah, screaming at each other, shooting guns in a, like a fucking playground. And yeah. then the scene concludes with uh, Jason Patrick shooting a fucking pregnant woman and yeah. her bleeding out and losing the baby. And you're like, God damn, the fuck. And he just like screams in agony toward the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yes. <laughs> and they're on a playground. Yeah. It's I, mean, I, was, I, la I laughed out it loud. Was... 
and, you guys, and, and Corey, it was emotionally effective for me. <laughs> it must have been for me the first time I saw it. It absolutely was for me. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, now, I guess. Corey was in the back of the room, but he like stood up and was like, what is this? And then, we both just, <laughs> and then we both just watched the scene together and we were laughing. And then a little bit later on during another one of the many, many intense scenes in this movie, when another one of my coworkers popped in and was like, what the fuck is this? This <laughs> is just like making everybody laugh. Just because it's so, it's so, it's so keyed up. Yeah. It's so keyed up. I guess there is maybe something to be said about how unabashedly <laughs> keyed up it is. Well, I mean, like they, this, they really held, they really left, held nothing back. This movie was the sort of not the debut feature. He'd made one movie before called Blood, Guts, Bullets, and Octane, which is fucking terrible. Uh, but he, this is Joe Carnahan's sort of big breakout movie. Maybe he'd done a, one other thing before this. And like the man is the edgelord king. Yes. He just, he turned out to be this like shitty edgelord guy. He's made, he's made one great movie, I think. And that's yeah. the gray. I the gray is really, it's strange. No, the, I, the gray is like, so it's like shockingly great. Coming I, do, I, do, I know. I don't like any of his other movies. Yeah. But this like is right, the right after, team is not very good. Smoking aces. Smoking aces. Terrible. Smoking aces. Oh, yeah. He made this horrible Patrick Wilson movie called Stretch. Oh, oh God, yeah. I just I just hate the guy. Yes, like I don't like his movies. Well, here's the thing in this movie, like there's definitely that like it's clearly trying to be edgy and gritty. But I know there's a lot of movies that try to be edgy and gritty and come off really obnoxious, whereas I don't think I mean, at least personally, I didn't get the obnoxious factor from this, which is why I think I enjoyed it. Right. No, same. It wasn't trying to be like, well, guess what? We can be fucking cool. Like we're weird, <laughs> you know. Right. This this definitely would have seemed novel, especially when it came out. Yeah. Now, now this kind of shit is all over the place. You know, it's been tapped out. Yeah, that, I think it's. De- I can definitely see why I, I, it must have been pretty. Yeah, novel and shocking to see something like this in two thousand two. I, I remember thinking it was. I don't maybe if not great, very good. And then Ray Liotta was great in it, and being kind of like, what a what a what a picture. I think Patrick's uh, really good in it too. But mm-hmm. I, but I think it's just like the bloom is off the rose, and when you step back from it. Like maybe you you see it a second time and you just sort of realize like, man, this is a, this movie has nothing to say. And, yeah. and B it's a little, it, it's, I, I found it a little embarrassing just like how, how screamy, how, how just <laughs> screamy it is. And also the, like it's depiction of crime. Like it's, it's like seediness porn at times. Yeah. It's a little bit like, well, it's just we're going to show you just try hardy. We're going to show you how fucked up shit is on the street and you will not believe how fucked up people are living out there. We're talking about dudes with fucked up dicks that are hanging out and their dicks. Oh, the John Ortiz scene is so bad. Because they got, because they fucked a nasty lady and that's fucked up. And then the people are getting their brains blown out from smoking <laughs> fucking drugs. You don't know what it's like out here. And it doesn't and have I anything. To, it. I liked it, it so much. It doesn't have anything to say about it <laughs> about it other than that. Um, and that's that's fine. And also, I, I think that's fine that it didn't have anything to say about it because I thought it was just like it's okay to. I feel like it's okay to have a movie just be like a fucking slice of bleak ass life. I don't even think it was necessarily trying that hard to say something, especially since the ending was so bleak. You know what I mean? I found yeah. his miserableism a bit ostentatious and like grating after a while. But, but also maybe it's just like it's where I'm piece. at right now because I, I was talking to Matt the other day too about how I, I was like, you know what, I've been really craving just some like 
mean, ugly, like early 2000s horror lately. And so maybe mm-hmm. this just like hit my spot like for me right now for the time. <laughs> you know? mean, it flows like a horror movie. Yeah. Absolutely no, remember, mean and like, ugly. I was like, who's the composer? Why does this sound like a horror, like a, a spooky haunted house movie? And then I looked it up and it was the guy who did all of like ref and stuff and Kimmy yeah. and Spring Breakers. The great Cliff yeah. Martinez. Yeah. It worked. I it worked for me, and I think it was it worked for me at this time. So I, I would be interested what I would think of it if I re- revisited it in a different yeah. And and, and again, I can't stress enough. Me and Matt both liked it the first time that we saw it too. So I didn't. Like, I did not like it this time either. It's more just like you kind of re- saw it revealed. More, I yeah. saw through it a little bit. You know, it's like it was still entertaining, but I'm. I spent most of it not going like, man, this is intense. I was like, this is pretty intense. You know, <laughs> I, I think I kind of hated it. Really? Yeah. I think I, I think I kind of hated it. It was like a real whiplashy thing as I was oh, looking man. forward to it. I was like, oh boy, Narc, here we go. Cause I love Ray Liotta so much. And I didn't even, I, I think Ray Liotta's fine. I don't think he's bad in it, but I just remembered him. It being like this iconic performance and, and, and watching it this time, he's just screaming a bunch. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's bad. It's Ray Liotta. I don't know if he's capable of being bad, but nah, R.I.P. There's just so much screaming, <laughs> so much screaming and nastiness, so- and you get like the ultimate. I mean, we talk about this cliche all the time: is the 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 wife who doesn't want the husband to be a cop anymore, and that's this pushed to the maximum limit. Oh yeah, just so also, hard. Uh, Emily, did the, did you did the did the twist get you? Uh, yeah, (laughs) it got, I, so I was, I was like, oh, you know, Leota's gonna be like a bad guy, obviously. I saw that and I was like, if this is the twist, can't fool me. Uh, But then there was another twist and it fucking got me. (laughs) I can't can't get it, you know? I think it got me the first time. Um but I don't remember. But then this time when he tells the story about finding the little girl in the closet, I was like, Oh, right. And that's the guy's wife. And there we go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like, I remembered it all. Coming. <laughs> maybe that, that stuff's maybe was maybe a little too uh, oblique or complex for it to, for it to operate like a twist for me. I was like, so wait a minute. What's the training day? It's like, wait, so that's the guy's, that's the guy's niece. Is it? All right. Okay. What's what's it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't, don't they don't spell it out in this as, as well as they could or as 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 you know uh cleanly as they could they left they do leave it oblique but yeah the little girl that he rescues is his daughter and that's the that's the wife of the dead cop they're investigating the death of yeah so like right. he adopted that little girl and then married her off to this cop who became an undercover junkie and blew his life up it's about like a lot of people being enraged because people got be- became addicts and became yeah. poisoned, poisoned by the drugs and got turned out into the miserable hideousness of life. It takes mm-hmm. place. It takes place in the world of seven. Uh, and isn't just it, like, yeah, right? for isn't sure. It, doesn't it, was it shot in Detroit? It's, it, it must have been shot, shot in Detroit. For, yeah, it was shot in Detroit. Yeah, I, I mean, now, I, now I'm mixing all of these up. I know one of these was shot for one day in Detroit. It's, oh, maybe it's that's like it. stark, miserable, n- nothing, bleak oh, urban landscape, yeah. and there's snow. I'm pretty sure this one was shot mostly uh, in like Toronto or something. And it could be, like, yeah, some place like, for like, one snow. day in Detroit, probably okay. for establishing Detroit shots. Right, right. 
Absolutely. It's just that scene where he goes to see uh, the dead cop's wife. And uh, the lady lives in this house that looks like it's been just plopped down in the middle of a frozen lake. <laughs> it's just like out in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's the, the whole city skyline is behind the house and there's just nothing but a sea of white between, <laughs> between the house and the, and the city. And it's just like, did they go ice fishing one day and just decide to stay and build a house there? <laughs> I love it here on this frozen lake. Yeah. It's beautiful out here. Uh, anyways, so, uh, it opens, the story of this movie is it opens with, uh, Jason Patrick, very famously intense actor, um, getting into some monkey shines, accidentally shooting a pregnant lady in a bust. And then he Michael goes from Lost Boys. Michael from Lost Boys. It, that's yeah. right. Michael, you're Michael. eating worms. Yeah. He's in speed two, of course, probably most famously. Uh, his, his most accomplished work. Uh, he, mm. he We actually did a movie that he's in called After Dark, My Sweet on this podcast that we really oh, liked. Oh, that's been on my list to watch yeah. for a while. I don't think it's, I've seen it's really good, and he's really good in it. So J Jason Patrick can be great. I think he's fine in this. I don't have any complaints with his performance. I think he's fine. I think he's kind of hot. He's Well, he's definitely hot. Um, but yeah, he's he sits in front of a tribe, you know, like in front of a tribunal where they're judging him, even though he's the one out there on the street and he gets to say, if you haven't seen what I've seen or done what I've done, then you can't understand where I'm coming from. And it's kind of rhymes, which is kind of cool. <laughs> and then eventually he basically gets like fired or like put on administrative leave or something yeah. like that. And his wife is like, good. That, that job was eating you alive. And I want the man that I married back and you're. Yeah, they have a tiny, they have like a, a small baby and I guess they haven't been married that long either. And so she's ready for him to like actually be around. And he's got to clean up, you know, he's <laughs> he's, all, he's addicted to drugs. Yeah, because he got addicted during his undercover stint, which this is like, that'll happen probably. There's yeah. a pretty funny shot. I don't think it's supposed to, it's certainly not supposed to be funny where he's in the shower and he's and he's holding his baby but like they don't start framed that way they start framed on like him like just like a upper a shot of his head and you just see this like round weird thing i was like what does he got there a basketball what was he holding and then it pans it's down a it's a baby it's a it'd be baby. so funny if he had a basketball in his hand <laughs> <laughs> he's just sadly cradling a basketball in he's the teaching shower. himself to jungle grapefruits in the shower <laughs> But he's very sad. The movie, he's like, movie's very sad the whole way through. And mm -hmm. eventually there's the, there's been a killing of a cop. Um, An unsolved killing of this cop, Michael Calves. Calves, yes. A great, and great the, man. The board or whoever wants Jason Patrick to use his uh, knowledge of undercover. This guy, this is an undercover cop. Yes. Uh, use his knowledge of all of that stuff to help uh, maybe dig up some new leads, use his contacts to see if he can help solve the murder of this cop this undercover cop they're gonna and he pair gets him paired up. with the lead detective on the case ray liotta who by should absolutely be uh not on this case at all because he's related it turns out he's related to the deceased and i think it was his partner marriage. yeah it was yeah, his ex-partner his, his partner yeah absolutely they would, they should, should not be on the this. case has has but, a bit so, of uh whatever we're watching a movie here yeah yeah <laughs> ray, name liotta. Is, wait, ray liotta's wait, name is oak Yes. yes. I can't Henry remember Oak. his first name, but I thought it was funny. Henry, Henry, Henry Oak. Henry Oak. Henry uh, Oak. He has a chubby little face with some beard on it. He's looking, he's looking jolly. He's got I a goatee. Like, 
Yeah. There's there's funny there's a funny thing because they, there's several we see several flashbacks to prior times in Ray Liotta's copping career and they and they indicate it by different facial hair. One time he's got a mustache and another time he has no facial hair. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, they did it. <laughs> That's how we can tell the difference. All the, diff- all the pretty different good for a movie they shot in less than, less than a month, like 28 days. Oh, sure. This is for this. It's a really a small movie. movie. Yeah, for sure. It's supposed to be Harrison Ford, but he dropped out at the last minute. Wow. In Liotta's spot. Interesting. Yeah. Weird. That would have been weird. Yeah. Probably would have guaranteed them <laughs> so a lot more money. The to, too. They put Leota and uh what's this guy's name? What's the actor's name? Jason, Jason Patrick. Patrick. Jason Patrick together because they need them to find the killers of this dead cop whose head was blown off with a shotgun or something. No, and... that, that's a different person whose head was blown off in the bathtub with a shotgun. This guy was killed on, under a bridge in a park. Yeah. Uh, oh like, no, no, no. Like execution style or something like that. And they think it was like a drug deal gone wrong. And they're they're kind of focusing on these two drug dealers and sort of trying to figure out ways to pin it on these guys. Uh there's a there's a long scene where there's just a bunch of generic sort of detective work happening, or the idea is just to show like all the footwork that's involved with this, which is split fine with they do split screens. The first there's two, and you're like, whoa, and then there's four, and just a bunch of shots of these cops like going in and talking to scumbags and sometimes scrapping it up with scumbags and sometimes just having regular conversations with scumbags. Shoe leather. Shoe leather, the shoe leather work of being a detective yeah. that we're trying to get across here. And uh, and then eventually they stumble upon they do, in fact, stumble upon a because one thing leads to another leads to another as movie detective work as movies have told us detective work works. Uh, eventually, they come into this this place with a head with a bathtub with a body in it who's had his head blown off with a shotgun is <laughs> pretty fucking gnarly. And, and everybody's being like, this is the movie that revels in that gallows humor that cops supposedly have right. where they're like, ew, isn't this nasty? Hey, 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 I found a tooth. And they're all, but this is what they have to do to, to be able to endure this kind of horror on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, and they, they hypothesized that he was, uh, that he broke his bong or something. Yeah, <laughs> so well, they see, the broken, like... they see the broken bong on the ground, on the floor next to him, and they hypothesize that he uses an empty shotgun, or what he thought was an empty shotgun as a hack. To, like, smoke. Very cool. Very pretty, cool indeed. Pretty weird. They, they show it in flashback, too. This guy, like, converting this shotgun into a bong, and then he forgot <laughs> that there was a live bath. round in there. Boom. Ha. I loved it. In the fucking bubble bath, like, smoking out of the shotgun that's, like, loaded. <laughs> that guy know, that guy knows how to Crazy. live. Yeah. Listening to music, yeah. <laughs> he died how he lived. Just uh, being cool. Just being, <laughs> weird, being fucking stupid, I guess. Um, just dudes being dudes. Yeah, so that's one. So that's one gritty encounter that they have that probably gives them some information to lead them to the next gritty encounter, and that's where you get Senior Itchycock, who's well, the, wait, well, no, his his dick is burnt. Well, this, somebody calls him Senior Itchycock. Well, he was talking about how his, oh no, because he burnt the lady's hair or whatever. There's some sort he, of fire. The, going the ladies, on. okay, let me just, I'll just lay it out. The lady's nasty pussy burnt the guy's dick. Which is why he can't put on pants now because his dick is so burnt. And he burned the lady's hair with fire because she did this to him. His last match. Because it's so seedy out there. It's fucking nasty out there on the streets, man. And this actor is the same guy from Miami Vice. John Ortiz. Yes. uh, Yes, that is him. The great John Ortiz. I love this actor. He's great in Miami Vice. Here he is. I mean, we never see his weird 
like you apparently disgusting his disgusting looking his butt, dick though but he's walking around bottomless going like my dick's up yeah. she's she said he says she said she fucking set fire to my dick so i burn her fucking head down <laughs> kind of movie this is well then they go uh, to uh like, well wait he asks them if he could like take a hit of his crack in front of them yeah and this is how you know it's extra cd because ray Liotta's like fine and, yeah. <laughs> and, and all the cops are like, well, I guess if he's going to talk, sure, fine. And the difference between this and like training day is that the other guy, he's also like, he's not like Ethan Hawke and that he's like a rookie just like watching this unhinged partner of his. Like he's also kind of unhinged himself. Like, oh, yeah, he's, he's, also got, yeah. Very he's got PTSD chaotic. about this. He's whole got thing. PTSD. He's also like, Ray Liotta's yelling and screaming at them. He's also up there yelling and screaming at them. So we have two of these guys now. He shot yeah. a pregnant lady, for God's sakes. He's been I, through I it. I think Jason Patrick is just as good as Ray Liotta in this. I think he's really, really good. He's I, really, really I good. agree, but I don't think either one of them is really, really good. I think they're both fine. Okay. Uh, there, there are definite, definite moments. I, I, pers- I thought Jason Patrick was really good in the more subdued moments. Yes, where he's just like talking to uh, he, because Jason Patrick was a real methody kind of like serious actor oh, too. Yeah. And you see that sort of almost, you know, to use an easy reference, that Brando like kind of realistic stammering and uh, th- that he does it, it work. It's it works pretty well in this. Kitty, I, I, my, my chief complaints with the movie have to do with the other stuff. Yeah, I. Like, uh... There's a couple scenes in the middle of this that I think work really well. There's the one after, I think it's after they see John Ortiz where they go to shake down this other drug dealer. And they're like, you know, I know you cooked the stuff. You didn't cook the stuff because you're too fucking stupid. Yeah. They're yelling at this guy and they start tossing his place. Things oh, get out of hand. Oh, hot sauce up, in his eye. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Things get out of hand and they end up, they end up like <laughs> shooting the guy, right? Uh, yes. Well, he tries to shoot one of them. He, he, yes. he actually takes a couple shots at Jason Patrick. Uh, most of them hit his, um, his vest, his vest, but one hits him in the neck, but, and, and then they, and they then they gun him down stuff in the freezer. They found like a bunch of uh, the police the badges, drugs, yeah. guns, all in the freezer. And then, but then they like kill this guy and they're like, Oh shit, he's a cop. He's got a, he's got a shield. Well, he has one of no, the cop he has shields. No, sto- he has stolen cop shields. And, right, and they think he's a cop for a second, and then they're like, oh, here's what's they, really going on. Oh, yeah. And then they think that this is the smoking gun evidence that's going, but not, yeah. neither one of them think this, but like the higher ups want to get this thing over with so that they think it's... Right. I, I did want to like drop another line, like another seediness line. This is what something that they say to this guy, this bald dude. Um, <laughs> he's a glue sniffer. Yeah. And, and at one point, Ray, Ray Liotta goes... You sniffed so much glue two years ago that you sealed your sinuses shut and had to have them drilled. <laughs> man, it's fucking seedy out there, man. Life is fucked up. I also yes. really like the scene where Patrick goes to visit the dead cop's wife. Um, I mentioned their ridiculous location of their house before, but this is the one the on, scene, the, on the frozen lake. On the frozen lake, but the scene's really good because the the lady who's playing the wife is like obviously wants to move past this. She's miserable; like her life's been completely destroyed. Yeah, she has two young daughters. Yeah, and she's like talking to Jason Patrick, and she's like, you know, you you did this too. Did it? You know, how do you feel about it? This does this make you feel good? And he's like, no, I hate it. You know, he's. He he's like, no, this is terrible. Like, I am very upset by this entire situation. It's like hitting too close to home. It's a really good scene. 
It's actually an interesting ripple that this movie has going because traditionally in these cop movies, they're always like, I don't want to ride a desk, man. Get me out there. And like Jason Patrick implicitly says at the beginning of this, I want a desk. Mm-hmm. Give He's me like, a desk. I do not want to go out there and do this shit anymore. Yeah. Like, no, you have to go do the nasty they shit. They said they'd get him a desk if he got a conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's wants, the only reason he's out there. Wants to ride that desk. He tells uh, his wife it'll only be two weeks. Mm-hmm. It she sure is. Buy it. It. Wouldn't you believe it that this that the life drags him down into the pit of despair again? I couldn't believe it. Believe, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was Here's, surprised. Here's another line in that scene because this is a turn. This is a turning point in that movie. The scene with a guy with a guy who is the. Um, oh no! Did you? Someone's mad. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's stop. Oh my god! Louise is growling. She's growling at the. There's a there's a cat. The dog doesn't like the cat. Stop. That's what happens when there's dogs and cats living together. Mass oh hysteria. She's only like this when she's sleepy. And the cat's around because she she needs to be like hyper aware at all times of what the cat's doing. So if she's even a little tired, she has her guard up. Uh, get out of here. Don't embarrass me on my podcast. Both uh, of you. <laughs> this is this is a line uh, with the with the guy who they end up blowing away, who the higher ups really want to pin the crime on. And this is Ray Liotta because, again, the movie's a grit fest and it's not shying away from like the racism of the cops or, or the brutality mm-hmm. of the cops or anything like that. And Ray Liotta goes again, screaming. I'm not going to scream it. You want to get Karen. Karen. <laughs> You want to get bounced back to a county? Keep it up. I'll have you wearing half shirts and halter tops, braiding some N-words hair. Yeah, very nice. It's good, talk. it's good talk. I want to read that again. I'll have you wearing half shirts and halter tops. Both at the same time. It'll be a great costume. What kind of line is that? <laughs> Who would say such a thing? Yeah, that's ridiculous. But anyways, they blow this guy away and the bosses are like, this is it. This is the guy. We don't want to dig any further. And then Ray Liotta implies that they, they want to pin it on this guy because he's white. And he says, y'all are so jazzed that this guy, Sheps, was white. So the whole racial card gets cooled and you for, you can forget about the dead cop. So they bring that into the thing, the race right. card. All right. I have serious questions about the thing that happens at the end of this movie. Oh, well, we're, we're getting there. Wait, yeah. yeah, because the but movie... I mean, like just Ray Liotta's tenacity in investigating this crime and pinning it on somebody is like confusing to me. Uh, yeah. Oh, because at the beginning they were like, oh, we, we've solved it. And Ray Liotta's like, no, we haven't solved it. It's not them or whatever. And it's right. Like, why, why wasn't he just like, yeah. Why didn't he just let it, it go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, a, that's a very that good, too. very, very, there's a, I have other questions about that as well. I, I don't yeah. think it, I don't think it adds up personally. I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like the, the movie builds up, like the, the last third of the movie takes place in one location, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of cool. It takes place on one location in about like a, in a, the same, like in a real time almost. Yeah. I, I feel like. And, and that's at this like warehouse where they go <laughs> chasing down, like the bosses are like, we, we're closing this case. And they're both of them are like, this isn't the guy we both really want to find the real guy who, who killed this great guy. Uh, this, this absolutely great model citizen, definitely a, a great person uh cop and right. we want we want to avenge his death and uh they they find out through some more shoe leather detective work presumably where the real or at least some people involved in the shooting were and one of them is buster, buster rhymes, rhymes of yeah. course <laughs> and in a h- hilarious uh uh moment jason patrick's dragging buster rhymes around by his hair and he goes 
Uh, he calls him Coolio. Uh, it's not Coolio, that's Buster Rhymes. You have got it wrong. R.I.P. Coolio, by the way. I gotta wonder how Buster Rhymes felt about that. Absolutely, R.I.P. Fucking Coolio tried to blow my head off, and it's Buster Rhymes. Uh, If Buster Rhymes tried to blow your head off, it would be with a fisheye lens on the camera. (laughs) It sure would. It would be a lot cooler. Chickeny Choco, the chocolate chicken. Uh, but the, but this is where things like really escalate to their full intensity. We're we're, we're moving into just full on everything is screaming and crying in this in this movie. Um, they end up capturing Buster Rhymes and the other guy who's not Buster Rhymes, tying them together back to back on these chairs, just like the in Indiana Jones and his dad. Just uh, like it, the classic, the classic position. The, the only other time that happened. And uh, and then Ray Liotta's got like a recorder and he's basically trying to like force a confession of what it turns out was was not exactly the real thing. And then eventually we get a Rashomon sort of thing. Uh huh. We get a Rashomon sort of thing in this. And, and uh, Jason Patrick, I guess at some point here, he just really does want to find the truth at, at all co- at any cost, I guess. All right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I think his wife has left him at this point. Right. They're on the rocks. They have that big fight. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but it's te- it's tentative, probably. It makes emotional sense that he would want to find out what happened to this guy at all costs because he's like, you know, he sees he sees himself in this case. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense that Ray Liotta is pushing, too. It, it sure doesn't. So Ray Liotta is, like, beating the shit out of these guys, got them tied up. They're constantly screaming at each other. The two guys who've had the shit beaten at him are, are like going, <laughs> like crying the whole time. And it goes on like this for a good 25 minutes. I uh, liked how they were crying. I liked how they were crying because <laughs> I feel like in a lot of situations like this, like, of course you would be sobbing and crying if yeah. you're being hurt like that and you're scared like that. And I feel like a lot of these movies, like, yeah, these guys are tough, but like, I don't know. I, I I appreciate the emotional vulnerability of Buster Rhymes no, and the other guy. Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> this it movie totally is, is is pushing all emotions to the maximum at all times, so it definitely fits in here. Uh, I I just I, I I couldn't stop because I didn't really like this movie this time. I couldn't stop thinking about just when you have to do this because they had to get like like minutes and minutes of them doing this in the background while like Ray Liotta and. Uh, and Jason Patrick are like talking it out. Oh, yeah. So it's just be like, all right, Busta and uh, the other guy who wasn't Busta, can you just cry and just keep acting, going? man? Just acting. keep going. We're going to need a guy like seven minutes of you just sort of coughing and crying and go. So <laughs> uh, weird job, weird day on the set. Good for them. Good for them. Good for them. <laughs> And uh, and, and it, it, they, they keep on letting slip information that is making Jason Patrick go like, wait a minute what do I actually know about this? And they're, and they're implying that Oak Ray Liotta actually might've actually pulled the trigger himself. Yeah. Might've, might've killed him. And he, and this is something that Buster Rhymes said, Oak's trying to stick some shit on N words because he knows every time you stick some shit on N words, it stays stuck. And you're like, that's a pretty that's good, good line. Yeah, yeah. That's a very good point. I like that. Uh, the movies, the movies got uh, occasionally hints at stuff like this and then doesn't turn out to be about anything. No, it's uh, more of a character drama. I mean, that's more what of a it's, character drama. That's yeah. what its goal is. I, yeah. you know, I think that that the intense, the sort of like emotional intensity of the story, combined with that narrative bleakness, combined with what seems to me now to be a bit of like 
a bit too ostentatious of an attempt to be like kind of a 70s greedy cop like french connection kind of thing oh yeah free Kenny. it's very it's a it's a like a potent combination and to me it's sort of like it feels like too much it's trying a little too hard it's a little too ostentatious but i think that the performances really carry it through a lot of that stuff um And then at the end, but then at the end, I don't think that the story ties together very well. Because at the end, it turns out that yes, Ray Liotta was there when this cop died. Uh, but really what happened was that he confronted this guy, Michael Calves, who was his adopted daughter's drug-addicted undercover husband, who yeah. had been selling, he had been selling like police equipment to drug dealers, guns, badges, stuff like that, to finance his drug habit. And he was, you know, snitching the cops out to the drug dealers while he was basically playing both sides against the middle. And Ray Liotta caught him and was like, this is it. You're ruining your wife's life. She's my daughter. We're going to get you into rehab. This is over. Like, you're done. You're done. Get the fuck out. And then the guy kills himself. Yeah. And then he covers it up because he wants the wife to still get the pension. And he doesn't want the wife to think you know, he wants to emotionally protect her as well because it's his daughter. Absolutely. This is what I don't we understand find out. why he doesn't just let him pin it on whoever they want to pin it on. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's all done. It's all done. I mean, whatever. Um, but this is the final phase of the the final Rashomon story. The one that Busta Rhymes and his friend tell is that because and and there and it's Rosh, it's truly Rashomon, because from their perspective, this is how it happened. Yeah. Ray Liotta showed up, they ran away. And then Ray Liotta shot at them and then shot the guy. But in in reality, the guy, Calvis, shot at them. And yeah. then and then Ray Liotta was like, let's get you cleaned up. <laughs> and then and then the guy killed himself. And this is what Ray, by the way, this is the, the story that Ray Liotta tells as he's going through his death rattle. Yes. Because Jason Patrick has killed him. Yes. Jason Patrick has to shot pre- him. To prevent him from killing these two guys. Yes. Who he knows didn't do it. And they do it in a, in a in a in a way that I also thought was <laughs> fairly silly, where it's like it's like a close up of Ray Liotta going like he's like now tell me the actual truth of what happens, and Ray Liotta's mouth kind of goes like yeah, opens like a little bit, and then it cuts to the the stuff happening. You actually just see the flashback, so you never hear Ray Liotta say anything. But pr- yeah. presumably, this is the story that he's telling him. It was his soul projecting. I it think out that's of his the best way of mouth. doing it. I guess so. I you don't want whole... you don't want that in a dialogue scene. All right. So, uh, okay. Where to begin? <laughs> oh, Especially man. a dying dialogue scene. Yeah, He's not going to be a show, great storyteller. I mean, let's, let's show the stuff. Not what did Buster Rhymes tell you? Okay. Well, here's my version. Um, I, I do think, though, that, uh, that the department wanting to get this wrapped up and give Jason Patrick his desk job is like kind of maybe not on the cards anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. we've really fucked this whole, this, this whole <laughs> thing up. It, it was a fucking mess. Yeah. This is just another thing for Jason Patrick to be super fucking bummed about. Yeah, and uh, as Ray Liotta is dying, <laughs> like after he tells the story or whatever, the story, obviously he tells it, Jason Patrick just says, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he dies and it's so depressing. Very bleak. And, and does Jason, and then Jason Patrick kills himself. This is, this just sort of seems like the kind of movie where everybody should kill themselves at the end of it. It's just like, <laughs> it's pitched that high. 
Buster Rhymes rolls out. No, Jason Patrick goes back to the like commissioner board and is like, "Here's what happened," and then they all kill themselves. Everybody kills themselves. The mayor shows up. He's like, "Oh no, my entire police department." He kills himself. (laughs) The president hears about this. He kills himself. My fellow Americans, I think we should all kill ourselves. All of America. There's enough guns. There is enough guns, that's for sure. I, yeah, so so that's that, that's the ending. I, I, I don't know. I, I found that to be very un, a very unsatisfying conclusion to the whole thing, but I didn't really like it at any it point. It seems a bit contrived, but I think it makes emotional sense, which seems to be the ultimate goal of the, of the movie here. Executive produced by Tom Cruise. Yeah, not really. But. No, no. I mean, he got uh, the credit. Apparently this was executive produced. There was like 13 or 14 or something producers yeah. on this because they, they showed it to a bunch of people with money to get it i mean obviously that's what you do with any movie but a lot of like celebrities or whatever to get it funded so that Mm -hmm. it could actually get shown theatrically instead of just in festivals yeah to get more distribution and cruise is the one cruise you know has a long time paramount deal and he picked it up for his production company cruise wagner in order to get it he basically demanded the paramount distribute the movie and they did yeah, because people liked the the whole like kind of seventies freakin'y vibe of it. The, oh yeah, I mean the at the time it would have been all, very novel. Sure. This yeah. was yeah, this was like an indie hit. It got good reviews and all that stuff. But I mean at the time, so the the studios like the distributors were like, we don't know if we can put this out because it is so intense. Because it yeah yeah. And because now it seems not... like this comes out all the time. Like it seems very very normal now. Yeah, the bear know? is more intense than this. <laughs> Hardly anybody blows their head off in that. Yes, chef. Just one person. Uh, I, I did want to point out also that uh, it, when, when I put this uh, DVD on on the menu, there was a song playing. That's a song that plays at the end of the movie. And I made this joke to Corey. I go uh, it, it, like we were both like, who's who who's this song? It's like some it's like a trip hop electro dance type weird song. And I go, this song is by Tricky's cousin. Just as a sort of like, this is, sounds like tricky light sort of thing. Anyways, got to the end of this movie and looked up the song. The song is by Tricky's cousin. <laughs> what? Yeah. Tricky has a cousin? Tricky was a um, like a trip hop artist in the early two th- late 90s, early 2000s. Emily, really you've popular. never heard of Tricky? Can I get it? Do I get to do it now? Yay. I don't think I've heard of Tricky. Max Sinclair, one of the most popular records of its day. Yeah. Christian if Sands? It's, if it's not Miss New Booty, I'm not listening. <laughs> he's a, he's he was so big, he was actually in the fifth element. Correct. He Wait, like so all you the... guessed that it was Tricky's cousin as a joke, and then it, who saying the song was actually was it so it was actually, it was actually Tricky's, Tricky's cousin? cousin? It's uh it's a, it's Tricky's cousin's band. It is actually Tricky singing on the song. Uh, That's but it so is, funny. But, it is, but the band is is I can't remember what they're called. It's Tricky's cousin's band. Oh my god, I love that for you. I love that for you. <laughs> I, I was I was delighted. Let yeah, me, it would have delighted me for sure. It was fucking, literally his cousin. What a, amazing. Here's a. I'll just get a couple lines. The ones that I haven't done already. This is this is this made me laugh. Where Ray Liotta. This is in that lengthy warehouse sequence where at a certain point he goes like, Ray Liotta, get out of here. Um, and go grab the equipment or whatever. And during that time, he bars the door and gets the actual information from gets this new information from these guys. Ray Liotta comes back, busting back in and he goes like, I have all these questions for you, Ray Liotta. And Ray, Ray Liotta goes, exactly how long after I left did you let those liberal stirrings in you spill out all over the floor? <laughs> liberal stirrings. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. 
This has nothing to do with rules and regulations and everything to do with right and wrong. Uh, yeah, there wasn't too many fun lines in this, that's for sure. Yeah, it's all C. I'm, I'm trying to get like just the real seedy shit, man. Get to the grit. Yeah. Uh, there. The, speaking of extremely seedy, there is a part in it um, where Jason Patrick is watching the late night with Conan O'Brien. Yep. So we got we got that too. Almost Here's, as good as the time in Jackie Brown when Sam Jackson goes to see Chris Tucker and Chris Tucker's watching Tom Snyder. <laughs> it's definitely almost as good. Uh, ratings. Tom Snyder interviewing Tony Curtis, by the way. Of course. Uh, ratings. I'm going to give this three Juds. Uh, I've got, you know, I've, I feel like I've detailed my significant complaints about it, but I do think that, like, it's very successful in doing what it's trying to do, and it's not the movie's fault that it's aesthetically dated to me. Um, Fair enough. That's mm. mainly, that's my main complaint about it, is I feel like it's aesthetically dated. Um, it seems very, it seems very cliched now. At the time, it absolutely did not. Um, and so I, I don't feel like it's, my, I don't think that's the movie's fault. And I also think that the two lead performances are really terrific. I, I think they're great. Um, I'm going to give it one Douglas for the uh, fire pussy that burnt my dick. It's very gross. <laughs> oh, and and that what is um, that character is referred to as a hilarious name in the credits too. Sir, Sir Itchycock. No, uh, well, his, that character's name is Ruiz, who has the itchy cock. Oh, it was um, the main squeeze or whatever? Yeah, Ru Ruiz's smoldering squeeze is how she's referred to in the credits. <laughs> That's who that was. All That's right. very funny. Yeah. Uh, and then I am going to give it uh, 10 out of 10 shotgun bongs. Oh, Fuck. my God. Can't believe you took that from me. <laughs> oh, come on. You really can't uh, believe it? No, I can believe it. <laughs> I'm going to give it uh, one and a half Juds. I didn't like it at all. Uh, hmm. And you, you can't blame a movie for its style, its style being dated, but it is. And I and I think it's silly and dumb. I mean, this is the kind of this movie's not supposed to be funny at all. And I put it in and immediately started laughing. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like I that mean, sort of thing. <laughs> I was I like, are too, you fucking kidding me? I did, too. But I, I had the sense memory of thinking it was super intense. And, I mean, and, I was more delighted by the bleakness. I mean, yeah. I still had a good time with it. I can absolutely see that. Uh, it was just, just this, this sort of particularly this sort of self-consciously disturbing thing can go either way with me. Obviously, it, if you push it a little farther, if you try to do like this seven style nasty shit and, and but it's like a full on bad movie. You got Resurrection, which is a movie that I absolutely loved that we did mm -hmm. on this with Christopher Lambert. Um, it's obviously a much worse movie that's trying to do like dark and disturbing um, but then, but then it's full on funny to me. I can, and I can enjoy it. This one feels very edgelordy. Like we're, we're really, let's get down there and wrestle around in the muck. Huh? Isn't that going to be awesome? And you're like, that's, but that's the whole exercise. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I appreciate that as an exercise into itself. Uh, I'll give it a one and a half Douglas's for Ruiz's smoldering squeeze and that whole situation. It's very gross. And I'm going to give it, um, 10 out of 10 hilariously bleak credits because <laughs> I, I just wanted to read these credits out. I, I took a picture of it. This is, it just gives you an idea of just the kind of movie that you're dealing with. This is a, the cast of characters. And this is the, the names of the care that they give out to the characters. Biker, strung out woman, crackhead junkie, strung out man, <laughs> drug dealer, porn shop dude. <laughs> and then Ruiz's smoldering squeeze, of course, at the end of it. I don't know. Not, not my kind of thing. All right. I am going to give it three and a half Juds. Mm. Uh, I think I just 
watched this at the right time for me, I guess, because I was super into the kind of blue tinged ugliness of this and just how goddamn depressing it was. I'm going to give it one Douglas uh, for the gross dick part, I guess. <laughs> the gross, the GDP. The GDP. And then I'm going to give it one bottle of hot sauce in the eye. Oh, man. <laughs> Hardcore. Makeshift pepper spray. <laughs> well, I mean, speak- you use what you got. Speaking of using what we got, we only got one one last movie to use. And, and that was, yeah. And that is a little movie that I have written down as Dork Blue. <laughs> I like that. In America, the police are sworn to uphold the law and protect the innocent. But on the streets, it's everyone for themselves. An elite unit in the LAPD. SIS doesn't have a jail, so if you knock one down, make sure he stays down. A loyal brotherhood. I was raised up to be a gunfighter by a family of gunfighters. With the tradition of doing anything to get the job done. Listen, I have a mission for you. ever dared to take them on until now i have a few questions with the detective what's going on man i mean this ain't your style this is different my lapd badge doesn't seem to glow anymore i did not like this movie at all see interesting i don't I know if this i, I fine i i would i'm more in line with emily on that one i thought it was <laughs> i thought it was fine i thought this it was, was a disastrous script with the worst possible director uh, that that tried so hard to be gritty and uh, relevant that it ended up being actively racist. And it also <laughs> has a terrible ending. It was definitely the worst out of all three of these, for sure. Uh, the the ending is und- is undeniably silly. Uh, did did you guys get my my text? And did you remember what the other movie that ended like this was that we covered on I here? I don't remember. Uh, I hope I hope it comes to us during this. But we watched an, another movie that ends in this exact same way. That, that we'll get to it. It's is, it is one of the laziest and most dishonest ways that a movie can possibly end. I mean, it's pathetic. It's no. interesting to see Kurt Russell being in a character that's so despicable and he's great in the movie and he's, he's great so he's so good at being such a racist piece of shit yeah. and the entire time i was like man i i love him so much and i there he's making me hate him yeah yeah he's just so against type in this that it was it, they perform his performance i don't know if this movie would have this movie definitely part of its rating has to do definitely with kurt's performance i also want to single out the person who I think is most directly responsible for making this movie not work, and it's not who you think, is James Elroy. James Elroy, story Wait, by. Who's James Elroy? He wrote, oh. he's a famous novelist. He wrote LA Confidential, uh, White Jazz, you know. He's Black very, Dahlia. Very, very famous crime writer, legendary crime writer, beloved. I'm not a huge fan of his work. Although, I mean, I've read I've read significant portions of it and I, I think the books are good. I don't love them as much as other people do. I think he's got a little bit of a tired shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the self-conscious grittiness is very much, very much a like white rich man. I'm gonna show you what real, what real police work in LA is like. Mm. 
Absolutely. Um, it's depiction of the LA riots, I think is dubious at best as like <laughs> this fucking jungle free for all where any white person who happened to be in the vicinity was fair game. It, 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 considering how fastidious this movie is about uh, depicting police work as being almost is inherently racist, intrinsically corrupt and racist. It's like doing a pretty good job. You're like the, all these, all these guys are racist. They're all corrupt in a very plausible sort of way. And then the movie does this just completely. Like it, it feels like a betrayal of everything that it did beforehand. And it invalid, yeah. it invalidates everything. And it, you're like, Oh, well, you're a piece of shit too. It feels like it's using the riots as a justification for these Things rather than a response to them. Well, look what happens if they get out of hand. Like, sort right. Of thing. And I don't think that that's the intent, but it plays that way. It sure plays. They they couldn't think of any other way to do it. Apparently, yeah. They it, it, it's like some sort of um, amusement, like racist amusement park version of the L.A. riots. Yeah, it's it's preposterous. It really is, and and it, and it kind of sabotages any goodwill that i that i had toward this movie i'm i'm with you i'm with you like i wasn't really hating this i wasn't loving it but you know and but until that happened i was kind of on board and then yeah. i was like oh you lost me i mean and i knew it was coming because i remember that this you know t- took place during that time period but man it's just like it's it's i mean it also has to be it has to do with when this movie came out you know like there had not been a real, you know, despite the despite the fact and the aftermath of the L.A. riots, the Rodney King riots, there had not been any like cultural reckoning with police institutional racism. Yeah. And that's why the Rodney King riots are. That's what I mean. I feel like all of these maybe not narc, but training day, definitely. That's what they have as frame of reference or that's what they show the wider audience's frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted I wanted to point out uh, that this this kind of got me at the beginning because you know like usually in movies because I'd never seen this movie basically didn't know what it was about other than it's like a dirty cop. Um, but they start with this this collection of cop footage and lots of movies, especially lots of movies that we've watched lately, start with this either like news footage cut together or like uh, like security footage cut together into some something resembling like an opening credit sequence sort of thing where you're like, ah, that's pretty generic, but you got to have something to play while the credits are rolling sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And this is like cops, just generic like footage of cops. And it's going like a uh, cop pursuing a guy down the street, going down here. And that's stuff that I'd never heard of before. And I was like, this is generic footage. And then it starts to get very recognizable towards the end where it's mm-hmm. like, well, if we've got the guy and we've got him on this one location uh, pursuing, you know, and, and then you're like, it's the fucking Rodney. It ends. It culminates in the Rodney King beating. This mm-hmm. was just all the incident. Well, it culminates like, in the riots the... post the trial, post the acquittal. No, the, the, the whole, this opening montage. Just this, just this oh, opening, opening montage. montage. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The opening montage is like the sequence of events that led to the Rodney King beating, and yeah. it concludes with the footage, the famous footage that we've all seen before. You get to see a lot of famous footage in this movie. Let's put it that way. It's like all the greatest hits of the Rodney King beating mm-hmm. and the whole Rodney King situation from start to finish. Uh, and then it and then it goes to one year later. Yeah, because this takes place while the cops are on trial. Yeah, the cops. This is during the during the set against the backdrop of the Rodney King trials and riots. 
And uh, and but it does a funny thing. I, it always annoys me and, and amuses me when movies do this, where it goes one year later, and you see Kurt Russell in this hotel room, and he is tormented by something, and he's drunk, and then he like picks up a shotgun and, and goes storming out, and then it goes five days earlier. And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ, like, man! Let's yeah, get, can like we get there already? Yeah, immediately I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> can we fucking start already? And uh, so they're trying to solve what now? They're trying to solve. Uh, the murder of this Korean grocer, and about right? a thrill, about th- thirty or forty other people. Yeah, just piled up by the door. Yeah, we see this. We see this crime. It's uh, Ike, Mike, and Mustard from yes. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Dash Mihawk and corrupt from the and Dog corrupt. Pound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're talking and in classic sort of like Tarantino ripoff form. They're like talk. They're having like fun banter about the Rodney King riots. And everybody's being very good at predicting what will happen, because the riots haven't happened at this point. But in but we but we know that. And the literally, know every happened. single character in the movie says, "If those cops get acquitted, this city's going. The to city's burn. gonna burn." Mm-hmm. And uh, and and corrupt and uh, Ike, Mike, and Mustard is going like, "Nah, there's no way these cops are going to get away. They're going to jail." And then uh, corrupt goes, "If those motherfuckers go down, you got to spot me a hoe." <laughs> And that's less like that's less a like Puerto Rican, yeah. a Puerto Rican ho, Pacific. yeah, not a Mexican, a Puerto Rican. And then they go, All right, enough of this Tarantino banter, let's go do the crime stuff. And then they get out of their car and then they go, like, kill a bunch of people in a, in a, uh, a Korean bodega, go upstairs, rip this safe out of the wall, and anybody that walks in, they kill and pile up in a corner. It's fucking, it's pretty hideous. shit. Well, it's a lot like the uh, the the whatever the night owl case. The night owl LA case in LA Confidential. A this pile is, of this bodies. Is, this is Elroy lifting heavily from LA Confidential for this. I was going. I, I hadn't noticed that Elroy was involved with this, and I was going like LA Confidentially is all hell. And then I looked it up, and ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there mm-hmm. you go. There's a lot of similarities with LA. LA Confident. And frankly, this is just Elroy's whole bag is CD yeah. LA behind I mean, the he's, scenes. He's only got a story credit on this, so I don't know how heavily he was rewritten or if he did just submit a story or what it were, you know, because it's it's Elroy and David Ayer are co-credited on this. From Training Day. From Training and maybe, Day. Maybe David Ayer was just like, hey, uh, Elroy, can I do it uh, an LA Confidentially kind of thing? And he was yeah, like, sure, maybe. give me story credit. And, and that was it. Like, I don't know um but yeah so that's the crime that is that is that they're going to be investigating throughout the whole thing but this is also set against the backdrop of another piece of fictional uh police brutality where Mm -hmm. scott speedman has uh killed some supposedly killed someone in the line of duty and he's on and he's on cop trial you know not a regular trial but cop trial yeah and Scott Speedman looks like Bradley Cooper. This, I think <laughs> he looks a little bit like Bradley. He's according to the movie the hottest man who ever lived. Scott Speedman doesn't look like uh, appreciably like he could be a police officer. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Him and Kurt Russell have matching hairstyles though. And that's why they're partners. Yeah, that's right. And there's uh, there's also and he's seeing he's also seeing a fellow police officer Michael Michelle. Uh, I'm yeah, a but they're be, they're work. doing a whole anonymous thing where they don't tell each other each other's names do. or anything. Yeah. But you know that's going to get fucked up later on. Yeah, yeah. And it also turns out later on that uh, that Michael Michelle was the other woman in an aspiring police commissioner's marriage, Bing Rames. Yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah. he is married to Candy Alexander, one of my favorite actresses. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Who doesn't get enough to do in this movie, but it's good to see her. It's all connected. It's all maybe, connected. Maybe, a little too, maybe, maybe a little too connected. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Um, but but that's the but that like basically 
Kurt Russell and uh, Scott Speedman are hypothetically in trouble for killing uh, a suspect. But that one of the things that I think this movie is very good about is that it's just this boys, this this circle of zero accountability boys club where they've got to like say, get it on record. Everybody got to get their stories synced up. And basically Scott Speedman is already in the, in the beginning of this movie when he's on quote unquote trial, like struggling with this whole thing. And Kurt Russell just shows up and he's like, we did what we had to do. Uh, I actually or no like he shot him there's, there's a lie involved in here somewhere but it's basically like hey we're out there on the street protecting you from the scum and the filth and like all right acquitted everybody's fine there's a pretty good scene where uh they're all together like basically clinking glasses mm-hmm. like the people mm-hmm. who are doing the trial and the people who are on trial are all celebrating together there's a great who's there's a great actor in here who is it <laughs> uh, i don't remember who plays this well, guy one, one of them is gleason Brendan Gleeson, he's the villain. Brendan, Brendan Gleeson, but there's another there's another guy in here. Damn it! Hold on, I'll look it up. <laughs> who, I, who I love? He's just in this. Sounds like you don't love movie. him enough, Travis. Apparently not. I'm bumming myself out here. Oh, Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks. Oh my God. Yeah, he's only in this. He's only in like a couple parts. He he kind of has like a, a a bit part in it, but no. Brendan Gleeson kind of plays the role of the three wise men in Training Day as like the elder statesman who sort of everybody kicks back to. Kurt Russell is his lapdog uh, slash enforcer. Um, there's a thing in this, and I think it comes out in Training Day a little bit too, and maybe even in NARC, but mostly in these two movies uh, that I don't buy anymore. It seems naive in the way that like Manchurian candidates accountability at the end seems naive now where you have these young white cops who do something intentionally or not that should get them either if not fired at least sent to jail uh, and they're like I really want to tell the truth about this you know what <laughs> it's, it's yeah. like you gotta Matt? be fucking kidding me man <laughs> Matt the movie that I was thinking about was the Manchurian candidate okay so we got mm. there this is even more ridiculous than that, but it's a similar oh, sort of thing. This is way more ridiculous. That movie's also very, very good. That's a good yeah. movie, but th- but it, that move that ending is fucking ridiculous. It seems it seems naive now. Yes, I I can't imagine it didn't seem naive then too. But we'll we'll get it, to it. It honestly didn't. You know, you got to remember that was the early two thousands. We thought we still thought that uh, that you know the truth was going to win. That that the right people were going to do the right thing. We we were very heavily disabused of that notion in the intervening time. Uh, well, who, who could say who, this is this is a greater <laughs> this is a greater debate, I think, than we're than we should be having on, the, on this with the nature of memory or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the movie Dark Blue isn't all that es- esoteric. Um, yeah, they're, they're all cro- they're all crooked. They're all wildly racist. I mean, you get that vibe during this great scene with Jonathan Banks, Brendan Gleeson, all these people all together who are supposed to be like the, the people who are do- doing the trial and on trial. And they're all just friends smoking cigars, laughing, being racist, all this shit. You get a, a good idea of like where this movie's coming from before it completely squanders it all t- towards the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's time for Kurt Russell. They're, everything's back to normal for them. You know, they kill, They just killed another person. That's what they do. Um, and now to go investigate this um, crazy-ass murder at, uh, at Mr. Kim's bodega. And uh, and they, they basically get to the bottom of this pretty quick, generally using police brutality. Um, <laughs> Kurt, Russell's, Kurt Russell is what I would describe as a uh, cheerful bastard. 
Okay. He's like he's like a fully he's fully he's fully a bastard, but he seems to just revel in it. He's a, he's oh, yeah, a, he's, he's enjoying himself. He's really sure enjoying his, himself. His I position. would say that that is a charitable uh, description of a psychopath. Uh, yeah, he it, loves it, to be a psychopath. He yeah. lo- he you know they all hang out at that cool cozy red lamp dive bar where they ordered shit. They go to that strip club where he orders a a huge fifth of scotch and as Just takes the bottle, proud, yeah, yeah, as ain't too proud to beg plays in the background. <laughs> and he gives he's he having gives a, money for strippers. Yeah, he's having such a great time being corrupt. He loves it. He's always he's always laughing. He's always in a good mood. It seems like. Um, when he's he seems the same when he's drunk as when he's sober, <laughs> right? And he's and he's drunk a lot. Um, but there's just like a couple lines to kind of establish his character. When they're talking about the Rodney King case, as they constantly are, uh, he goes, "Man, they should have wasted that worthless motherfucker's ass." <laughs> it's like a part in it. And, and man, one part- stunt, stuntman Mike, what happened to you, dude? <laughs> <laughs> he's really fucked up. Uh, then there's a part where he goes home. His wife is Lavinia Davidovich. Uh, <laughs> love that name, <laughs> the Lita Davidovich. That's the director, Ron Shelton's wife. Ah, well, there you go. Interesting. He is in many of his films. He um, finds he finds out here that his son has been dialing a, a one nine hundred sex number. I love then, this scene. And then she goes, "It's," and he goes, "What is it?" And he goes, Sor- "Sorority slut hotline." <laughs> ah, fuck it, pay it. At least he's not a fag. Great. <laughs> He is so terrible. He's yeah, such he's a despicable human being he's in this. That makes sure he leans into it. He's so I really good at do, it, though. I really do think that the, the snapshots of his domestic life are the best parts of this movie. Yeah. It, it is interesting. You, um, you, they at least, because they clearly don't get along and she doesn't like him anymore, but you, they, they do a good right. job in this scene establishing that there at least was a spark at some point. Yeah, you, and, the, and the, the remains like, of it. He's oblivious to the fact that she knows she's trapped in this toxic misery. Yeah, he comes, he comes home, she's watching like TV or something, he just goes on a hateful rant, says that line, and then leaves, then storms out of the room to eat the goulash that she's prepared. And she goes, and now you see why I drink. And you're like, well, that was pretty tidy. I was disappointed that his son is not played by Wyatt Russell. <laughs> yeah. I wish. Yeah. I, I love Wyatt Russell, especially like as he's gotten older, you're like, that is a dead, he's a dead ringer for his old man. <laughs> well, during this time, I think Wyatt, Wyatt Russell was not an actor till way later and he was playing hockey professionally. Yeah. That's, yeah. Still, I, I, the kid they got is actually, the kid they got is actually like a reasonable resemblance of a kid who could be those two people's son. But like I was looking at the kid going like, I wish I was Wyatt Russell. He, just, he looks so much like his dad now. It's like uncanny. He's just like blonde Kurt Russell. Yeah. Fascinatingly, uh, with this with this movie, I would yes, one uh, of the big one of the big comparisons that I would make is to James Cromwell's character in L.A. Confidential and Brendan Gleeson's character in oh, this yeah. movie. Um, they're both uh, they're both Irish or Irish adjacent, and um, they're the captains in charge. And they're wild. They're the they're the main villains. They're crazy yes. corrupt. They're but both Rollo Tomasi. Fascinatingly, in L.A. Confidential, it's one of the most shocking twists that you've ever seen in your like that. I saw that in the theater, and it absolutely like it. Shocked yeah. me, it was like surprising I, at the time. Yeah, yeah, it it truly like scared the shit out of me when it happened. And in this one, they tell you right out of the gate, mm-hmm. like you see Ike, Mike, and Mustard and and corrupt hanging out, and then Brendan Gleeson like knocks on the door and is like, "Hey, you boys, you shouldn't have killed all those people. What the hell?" Anyways, I'm taking all the money in the safe, and you're like, "Okay, well, he's the well, <laughs> shit, he's the bad guy." You know that serves its purpose well in LA Confidential, which is busting this idea of like valiant 
hero cops in Hollywood in the 50s. Yeah. And th this is doing a different thing. I suppose so. It's not, it's not like it bothered it bothered me or anything, but I thought that was it, that 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 scene happens like 20, 20 minutes into the movie mm -hmm. or something yeah. like that, and just uh, okay. Well, it I may, guess yeah, we know. It's, it's I think that's an, it, that's an interesting like Elroy formula like re, like he's using the same element in a different way for a yeah. specific purpose. I think that's cool. It would have been also much more. <laughs> obviously derivative if they'd done it the same right. way too. if they done the same you thing know? like who's gonna shoot scott yeah, steeman at the end and you're like well i didn't care about him anyway so it's fine yeah exactly <laughs> um uh at the same time while all this is happening this might this movie might be a little too busy i don't know um there's also ving rames who mm -hmm. is a who is a genuine hero cop uh no he's not well like compared to all the other ones compared to all the other ones yes but he's he's depicted as like a showboating salesman who is who's committed to his political career above anything else he doesn't care about justice in this situation he just wants to get van meter out of there but maybe he finds his conscience later on or something like that mm -hmm. you don't think so i don't think so i don't know i don't I, think i don't think they do a convincing job of depicting that anyway they he's sad it's sad when he he's sad when his wife wants out that was another kind of needless detail i honestly felt like but or whatever. you can look at it as a weird parallel that a weird a weird choice in this movie that the two that these two men who are at opposite at opposite ideological ends but want the same thing at the end uh both find their conscience because their wife splits yeah real divorced dad energy yeah, uh, I, and I don't so. think that I don't think that works at all. <laughs> no, no. As the internet has proven in the last years, div divorced men don't tend to get better. No, <laughs> they, they don't like. If, even if that were true, it just doesn't make sense narratively in this movie. It's just it's not depicted very well. Well, we're definitely going to talk about the, the very end that particularly doesn't make. I mean, it's completely yeah. insane and ridiculous. Um, but yeah, Ving is is at the beginning during that trial. He's the only one that seems to have any interest in kind of like making it anything other than a show trial. But yeah. they breeze past him and they're just like, well, don't, we don't have to worry about him. He'll be out of here. He got hired on it at Cleveland. He's, he's going to take Cleveland, he's going to yeah. move to Cleveland to be the chief of police there. So, so we won't have to worry about that showboating liberal asshole any longer or whatever. Um, but, but but Ving is establishing that he's going to kind of like get to the bottom of this situation and maybe and maybe uh, Barry Gleason because he knows that Gleason's corrupt. Yeah. And you actually get a really great scene between Gleason and Ving Rames in the elevator mm -hmm. that, that I really, really liked. Um, yeah. where he's like, Oh, yeah, Gleason starts out with like blatant small talk. Like, what do you like better, sailboats or blah blah blah? And then, and then within a within like a minute and a half, calls him the n word to his face. Yeah, it's just like really fucked up. Yeah, that was chilling. You're like, Why is this elevator taking so long? God damn it, <laughs> where are they, are they on the 300th floor or something like that? Uh, they're in my parents' building. <laughs> It's just a really the slow, longest elevator. <laughs> oh no! Um, yeah, you don't want to be on that ride. Yeah, so that Not so that's that so that's happening as well. But the main plot is is Speedman is Speed and Kurt Russell going around roughing up people, uh, going to strip clubs, um, smashing bottles and holding up the broken bottles up to people's throats to get the information and successfully getting the information. Mm -hmm. They find out Mr. Kim is a gangster. They find out that he's a gangster from none other than Master P. Yep. <laughs> R.I.P. All right. R.I. Master P. Yeah. I don't believe Master P's dead. But I is believe he? he is dead. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, he I got died a couple years ago. No. Are we all looking up if Master P's alive <laughs> at the same sucks. time? I got to look this up. Master P is an American rapper. Oof. 
Yeah, he's dead. Who am I thinking 50, of? 52 years he's old, still 52 alive. years young. All right, then I'm getting him confused with someone who did die. All right, Master P. Yeah. All right, Master P. Well, no, I'm, glad I'm glad I was wrong about that. I'll save that then. Yeah, it's Master P. And, you know, he's from, <laughs> he's not from LA, but like, whatever. All right, he's from New Orleans, but uh, still fine. Whatever, he's, he's fine. One uh, of the first search things for Master P is, how did Master P get so much money? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's from his rap career. The people want to know. <laughs> how, could, how did he get all this? How did this famous rapper get all this money? <laughs> Who is Googling that? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they uh, they interrogate Master P, find out all this information uh, about Mr. K Mr. Uh, Kim being a gangster. And then... Uh, it's just kind of like one thing leads to another and they, and they basically find out and unravel this not particularly complicated conspiracy theory involving Brendan Gleeson and these two dudes who are like his his favorite informers. It's like Micah and Mustard and Corrupt. They have names, though, that I have written down here somewhere. Sidner and something else. I Sidner say. and what have you. <laughs> Interesting name. <laughs> Sidner <laughs> and what have you. Uh, um. But uh, he, but he, basically, he's like, I'm pretty sure it's these guys, these guys, Sidner. It's it's your it's your dudes. And Brendan Gleeson like screams at Kurt Russell at the. He goes back to the, it's Orchard and Sidwell. He's like, so we just got to go pick up this Orchard and Sidwell. I'm pretty sure that they didn't. He's like, no, you won't. Ah, I'm gonna scream at you. And I knew your father and all this sort of stuff. Your father and I cleaned up this city with a gun and bullets. And we get all this like this past. This is also very LA confidential. Because uh, Kurt Russell's like from a family of cops and his dad, uh, like back in the in the real Wild West days of L.A., the 70s, presumably, um, <laughs> like really cleaned up the town with with uh, extra violence and, and killing all the perps and shit like that. And so uh, Kurt Russell is given a little bit more depth in that, that you know, he grew up into this. And like this is just the, a thing that he grew up with, which makes it even makes the ending even more wild when it happens. Uh and so Speedman, of course, has way more conscience than you would expect. He grew up in this, too. I think he's Gleason's nephew or something mm -hmm. like that. He is. Yeah, the nephew. He's Gleason's nephew. So I don't know why he's such a sweetie pie. <laughs> why he seems why he's not like one of these other guys. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he ends up having like a confrontation with um, with the girl that he's sleeping with, who is the, the lady who works for Ving Rhames. Yeah. <sighs> There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. This <laughs> this movie is. It's not great. It's not good. It's not bad. But it is kind of exhausting to talk. It's like just showing us that cops are corrupt, basically. And we get this weird. We're not there yet, but I really just hate the kind of redemption arc that Kurt Russell gets towards the end. Yes, and it happens very fast. It does. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty wild. And and it's fairly perfunctory too. Like the way that the plot starts to move is is becomes very just like they were trying to get it over with or something like that. Have we got to where uh Kurt's wife leaves him yet? That's a that's a big long scene. We mentioned that a little bit while you stepped away. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah I, was, I was talking to Travis about how both uh, Bing Rames' character and Kurt Russell's character's crisis of conscience come come about because their wives leave them, which yeah. I found ridiculous. His wife literally says, "I have watched you descend into hell," which I thought was <laughs> fucking badass. Yeah, 
another person calls him an evil motherfucker later on. We get and some just, sad saxophone too. Love it's it. just, it's just. Oh, by the way, the music in this movie is god awful. <laughs> Absolutely god awful. And, I'm, gonna, and it, I'm just going to say this: Ron Shelton's not a good director. I, I, I didn't think that he, he it was either. It wasn't ostentatiously bad. It certainly wasn't. No, good. it's just he's just mediocre. It's, there's yeah. nothing to it. You I got mean, it. like. He's he's written some decent fun movies. I don't love anything he's done, and that includes Bull Durham. I wow. like Bull Durham. I I just it's fine. I just I don't understand why everybody thinks it's so great. But you uh, got to admit, know. it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice. Yeah, for Ron he's Shelton. a weird choice for this, is what I'm yeah, saying. You yeah. read the yeah. script. Get me Ron Shelton, the sports movie guy. He, it seems like a guy who's like, I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do something intense and and like really really important. And it's like, now oh, you fucked it up. <laughs> By the I, way, I, not not to derail this, I just remembered that I confused Master P with DMX, who is dead. Yes, yes. R.I.P. That is absolutely R.I.P. DMX. Man, that is who I was thinking of. Anyway, that sucks. Ron Shelton. <laughs> um. Yes. All right. So so yeah, let's blast through it because I think we all just want to talk about the ending. Uh, Davidovich leaves Kurt Russell, and this seems to make some sort of ripple into his kind of like shield of indifference and aggression that he has anytime. Yeah, because now he doesn't anything. have it all. Yeah, and uh, and you know he's he's starting to change his he's starting to change his tune, um, much like James Cromwell's character in L.A. Confidential. Uh, uh, Gleason, Brendan Gleason, is trying to like cover up all witnesses to this like scheme that he's got going and technically mm-hmm. kurt russell is a, even though kurt russell doesn't know it kurt russell is a witness to this yeah and and since gleason's just a full-on evil bad guy guy it's just like get rid of everybody doesn't matter yeah, it's like, easier to swipe them all out like jimmy conway at the end of goodfellas like doesn't matter kill them all um and and so he sets up kurt russell to go um get killed he says he says he says he's telling kurt russell to go kill a guy yeah because he's and but he's actually sending Kurt Russell to get killed by Daz and Ike, Mike and Mustard. He's right. sending everyone to go kill another person when in reality they're all going to meet at the same place and end up killing each other. Un, uh, uh, set against the backdrop of the L.A. riots. Hell yeah, dog. Very, <laughs> the very coolest backdrop ever. It's very contrived, isn't it? But this is where we finally flash back forwards to the opening scene where he's in that hotel room. Right. This is five days later, officially. And and, at this and end, that wasn't even necessary at the beginning. Why did we even? It didn't really show us anything that we were really like holding on to. No, when we, we should have just started the characters. The of the we story. should have just started. It just showed us, oh, he's tormented and drunk. But we learned that almost immediately when we're introduced <laughs> to him that he's drunk and that he's like, you know, there's got to be some shit fucked up up here. You know, there's there's right. no reason for that little blip, and that kind of shows how weak the storytelling is. And this is totally weak, weak storytelling. Absolutely. The movies, the movie is just hung over this great uh, Kurt Russell performance. And that's all it's got. You know, mm-hmm. like, you got to do you got to push a little harder than that. But yeah, the, everybody's rushing to this location. Uh, Kurt Russell, like basically easily traces the, the location that Brendan Gleeson sent him to and, and finds out that it's Sidwell, it's Orchard and Sidwell. So he's like, oh, man, Brendan Gleeson, my father figure is trying to have me killed. This sucks. And so he, but so now he's sort of got the drop, but he's heading out to this area in presumably South Central LA. And Speedman finds out about this too. And he's, so he's heading out to this to like intercede. Yeah. And then also Speedman's girlfriend, who's friends with Ving Rames, what's the actor's name? Michael Michelle. Michael Michelle. Now that, so they're all headed to the same direction at the exact same time that they're driving here. It's like the Rodney King verdict has gone through. Let the LA riots 
commence. <laughs> it's the Hunger Games. They actually hired Michael Buffer to do Let's Get Ready to Rumble. <laughs> Let's get ready yeah. to it was rumble. It was tasteless, but it had to be done. As everyone in this movie has stated 50 times, this city is going to burn. Yeah. And indeed it does. And it's just like everybody immediately runs out into the street and starts like pulling people out of their cars. And yeah. There's and, and this is just how like on the nose this movie is like the, Kurt Russell like goes into this house and walks in front of a TV and it's the Reginald Denny beating. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that. Wow. Right. He walks in. And, right, then, oh. and then after that, they show a scene where a bunch of black people pull a random white person out of a car and start beating him to death. And it's like, well, it's not the random. It's the no, it's, one that's of right. The it's Sidner or whatever. It's yeah. one of those guys. And it's like, is this supposed to make sense? It doesn't make sense. The tables have turned. Wait, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to say? The, the movie's depiction of the riots is as it is as if it was just Reginald Den- the Reginald Denny situation, wall to wall, constantly, yeah. nonstop, the whole way through. It's people. It's all it is is dudes dragging. It's like black people dragging white people out of their cars and beating them, and, and then people stuff. and people raiding stuff. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it's what your it's what your dad thinks of the uh the George Floyd stuff yes. that happened in Seattle, you know. It's like, it's oh, a- just a bunch of looters, shoot them. Yeah, Seattle was ridiculous. Seattle was burned to the ground. Yeah, raised I to remember. the ground. How how uh, do you still live there? The whole place burned to the ground. It's just a field. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. fucking insane. And it, yeah, and, and it doesn't reckon at all with any sense of accountability or, you know, any of that like long simmering and way overdue reckoning that, you know, even at that point that this movie came out years after the LA riots hadn't happened yet. Yes. Not, not, not that we've made tremendous progress since then either, but. Right. Um, so they, so there's a, there's like a semi-climax that happens here where it's, uh, it's corrupt and there's a gunfight. They uh, corrupt and Ike Muck and Mustard blow away uh, Speedman. Yeah, a yeah. character that I'm supposed to be shocked and saddened by his death, and I just don't care. <laughs> it's, you, you don't care about Scott Speedman getting it just felt like It felt Come like on. a total device, you know? It's like, I oh, didn't really dead. care either. His, his final words were, I snitched you out to Kurt Russell because yeah. he did basically tell people. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else here is almost dead? Uh, and, uh, and, th- and this ma- makes Kurt uh, Somewhat surprisingly, you might think this really makes Kurt Russell have a change of heart, mm-hmm. a, a shocking one. And uh, he, he eventually he like chases down. Um, he's chasing down Ike, Mike and Mustard and corrupt. Ike, Mike and Mustard gets pulled out and beaten to death, Reginald Denny style. And mm-hmm. then he captures corrupt and he's driving around with corrupt in the car. And then uh, and then it cuts to this uh, ceremony where people cops are being promoted. Oh, yeah, he's supposed to get, to get his big promotion. promotion. Yeah, yeah, he's getting his big promotion to lieutenant, and they're like, "Well, I guess uh, Kurt Russell's not gonna show up for his promotion." And then he comes in. He goes, "Hey, everybody, it's me, Kurt Russell. <laughs> Who, who's ready for a speech? Because I've had some changes of heart lately and some thoughts about my whole life." <laughs> and, and did you know made- that my boss, Jack Van Meter, tried to have me killed today? He yeah, he look, he does a theatrical re, theatrical telling of how fucked up his basically everyone is himself included. He doesn't. Oh, yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, and everyone, no one stops him, which I think is really funny. Like at one point, someone goes to you, and they're like, "No, no, let him talk." The, the whole <laughs> room, security people, everyone, everyone's like, "Oh, he's drunk." Not one person tries to like even respectively usher him off stage which i was like that wouldn't happen they wouldn't they wouldn't sit out for his whole speech you know 
sometimes Brendan Gleason will get up and be like, hey, and then he'll be like, he'll keep talking and be like, oh, yeah. I don't know, and he'll yeah. sit back down again. It's they just and let it, him go. This this speech is just the whole, it's the whole thing. It concludes. He's like, he lays out all the information and then goes on to and he goes on to say, uh, like my father, you know, and his father's father. We're all gunslingers, and I learned all this stuff. He's boy, does he 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 really did some work on himself over the last like uh, I don't know fifty minutes or something like that. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, it turns out we're all just a bunch of psychos, and we're killing people, and we're breaking the law. And turns out, put, put me in jail. I'm ready to do the right thing all across the board. Unbelievable. And everybody's like, yes, let's do it. Let's do the right thing finally, <laughs> at long last. And. uh and it, yeah, like he he he's like put in handcuffs so he can give his statement. And Brendan Gleason's like has a confrontation with Ving Rhames, and Ving Rhames is like, "You're gonna go down. You're gonna get justice. There's gonna be justice served here." And Kurt Russell's like looking over the city of L.A. as it burns, as as predicted, and he's like, "The city's starting to burn, and it's partly because of guys like you and me." <laughs> really so stupid. It really puts a fine point on it. It makes it such a shitty morality tale that like is not clever, smart, or good. <laughs> it's it's truly bananas, and I I don't know what this accomplishes other than just getting the movie over with. Like yeah. nobody nobody would ever believe this kind of shit. This is just not a thing that people do, even even good people. Yeah, like even if absurd. he did have a change of heart, it wouldn't be reflected in this way. Like this is just a thing that never happens, and it's patently absurd and insincere. I don't know. Definitely. Yeah, you I mean you, you you sewed it up. I don't have anything else to add to that. <laughs> Is that like how it ends too? There's that's nothing a, else afterwards, huh? That's how well, it, it ends. That, it has that. Yeah, it has that miserable CGI shot of L.A. on fire, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like it just wow. ends. Yeah. There's a, there's also just another <laughs> funny oh, thing. Does, you, you forgot the part where he walks up to his little boy at the uh, at the ceremony. He's like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm doing. Like, I'm okay. doing all my work. I'm doing all the work right now." And he tells Ving Rhames, he's like, hey, Ving, do you think you can put me in one of the better prisons? And he's like, nah. he's like, we'll see. I don't know, maybe. Uh, and this also I just really like, I don't want to go to Lompoc, man. <laughs> <laughs> this was all, this is all happening. And then it cuts to this, this, this shot. This is the part where I really laughed out loud. It cuts to the leader, Levita Davidovich. And she, she told him that like when she was leaving him, she's like, I'm not, le she, she I, works at a prison somehow. And she's like, I'm not leaving you for a warden and I'm not leaving you oh, yeah. for a, cr for a criminal. I'm leaving you for a lawyer, a, lawyer. a defense, lawyer. a defense lawyer, the enemy of, you know, detectives or whatever. And yeah. then, okay. So we know that. And then while he's making his speech and he's redeeming himself all in one huge fell swoop, uh, she, you see her on the phone and she goes, he needs a lawyer and a good one. So that's all coming together. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's all coming together, baby. You guys yeah. are like bringing up stupid things that I either didn't catch or forgot about. And it's, it's like making me not like this movie yeah. as much. <laughs> it's a big blur. It's a big blur of stupidness. Depressing film. And then the movie goes out on a song by Porno for Pyros featuring Corrupt. Hell yeah. Which oh, is a company. Hell yes. I know those words, but that sentence makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually thought the movie was kind of okay for quite a while. And then it, it, to talk about yeah. talk about flushing yourself down the fucking toilet. It's insane. I agree. I was into it. I, I think it has a pretty solid it, first hour. The end. Yeah. Yep. Pretty wild. Um, 
everybody's got a sad story. Who gives a shit? That's Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. I kind of like that. Brendan Gleeson's good. I always like, I mean, he's always good. Yeah, I like seeing him. Uh, there's a really funny part where there it's uh, Scott Speedman and his girl and his uh, would be girlfriend are like having a confrontation at a restaurant and they're both sitting at a table and Scott Speedman's found out where she works. And mm-hmm. then, and she's like, Oh really? Well, fuck you. This sort of thing. And the waitress comes up and goes, would you guys like a menu? Oh, and then just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> she read the situation. Well. Never mind. I'm out of here. Um, here. Here's just some, some shit that I thought was, was, was fascinating during like one of Kurt Russell's big, long asshole uh, rants that he, and he does, he talks, this is a dude who talks. He's a talker and it's pointed out by other characters. Like you never sh- shut up. Uh, but this is one part where he's where he's just ta- and he's it's a, basically a big long racist rant where oftentimes he's using like coded language, and at one point he says these young bucks out there on the street, and he's talking about black people, and it's almost certainly a reference to something that Reagan famously said in the early when he was uh, I think when he was president or when he was running for president as as code a code word uh, racist code you know mm-hmm. young bucks to refer to these scary black people you know like welfare queens like all that sort of stuff but then there's another part where he refers to people as bad hombres which famously <laughs> Donald Trump said about yep. Mexicans later on right. and that's well way after this happened so <laughs> I, I just thought that was very I thought that was really interesting I have a visceral memory of him saying that I remember watching that debate at Hattie's hat and yeah, he oh said that God. and the whole bar just went like oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> these these bad hombres um the chokehold saved lives but nobody nobody ever got elected saying that yeah, this stuff is like not supposed to be. You're not supposed to hear that dialogue and go like, "That's crazy." Yes, that's it's both sidesism in this movie. There's some. There's definitely some both sidesism about it, it, like some of what Narc's doing, where it's where it's like you know the the shit that they do is fucked up, but the world's fucked up, man. They gotta protect us. You know, we're talking we're talking about the scum of the fucking earth. Yeah, um, this is this is Kurt Russell's. This is this is where it's very unambiguous about his racism, which it is to its credit. Um, but this is where Scott Speedman says, and he clearly doesn't want to say it, but he's talking about this lady that he's dating, and she goes, "She's black." Don't say anything. And like right when he says that, he goes, "Yo, you be dating a sister? I didn't know you were an ebony and ivory man." And, and he goes, "Like shut the fuck up." Yeah, <laughs> it's so cringy. He's it's so really racist hard to watch. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he did a great job at being such a piece of shit. That's for sure. He's great. I, I, can't, sure. I can't. I can't. I uh, can't pra- uh, praise him enough in this. It's really good. Uh, one last thing to, the, the, to point out: this is this part that made me laugh because of kind of narc level bleakness. This is where uh, Brendan Gleeson. We first see him like come into uh, corrupt and Ike Mike and Mustard's little crib. And there's like a lady on the, there's like a lady lying on the couch and they have their whole interaction. And at the end, Brendan Gleeson like puts his, his fingers on her neck and then goes like, this is, this is the way he leaves. He goes, your whore is dead. Dump her too. And then storms out of the house. And you're like, oh, wow. So seedy. Oh, crime. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, oh boy. I think that's all. That's all I got. Uh, uh, wait. Oh, well, yeah. What do you got, Emily? <laughs> Sorry. I don't know who he was talking to, uh, but he, Kurt Russell, was like knocking on the door. They're trying to like talk to a criminal or something. He's knocking on the door, and the criminal is like, "Yo, yo, who be it?" And Kurt Russell just goes, "Me be it, fuckhead." And I oh. thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that was my only line I wrote down, other than uh, "I have watched you descend into hell," which I just thought was 
watch you descend. Sucks yeah, to watch dude. someone descend into hell. I'm telling you, it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> it's not fun. Not great. Don't love it. All right. All ratings. right. Two and a half Judds. First half, I was on board. Kurt Russell's great. Falls apart completely. I think it's accidentally racist. I think it's poorly directed. I think it it's poorly written. It's <laughs> it, it completely does not uh, does not fulfill its mission, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, Kurt Russell, you are awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give it. How many? How many Douglases am I gonna give? I'll give it like one for the like uh, illicit relationships that we see throughout the movie. You know, like. Uh, Michael Michelle having cheated on or having helping Rams cheated his wife, that whole thing, uh, you know, just the stripper scene and stuff like that. It is close on strip club, though. Yeah. So one Douglas, not that crazy. Uh, this movie maybe could have used a little bit more of a dose of that kind of sleaze. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very El, that's an Elmore or an Elroy uh, hallmark. I was surprised to see it left out here. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to give it. Um, Oh, geez, what am I going to give it? I'm going to give it 10 out of 10, uh, 1 900 number builds. Mm. Sororitysluts.com or whatever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. That's quality stuff if anybody wants to call that number. I can I can vouch for that one. So, yeah, sorority, just... sorority slut hotline. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'm going to give it also two and a half. I was feeling like up until basically the riot sequence that I was gonna be maybe giving it three and a half probably i don't think i was ever in four territory but i really liked kurt russell i, I liked how unabashed they were about uh, how they were depicting the cops in this i, I thought it was i thought it was kind of a uh, refreshing and they really flush it all down the toilet <laughs> pretty amazing like the one-two punch of the riot sequence and then the kurt russell just going like i really uh i've really changed a lot i've become a completely different kind of person uh that just doesn't it just doesn't happen um i'm gonna give it one douglas not much in there i'm gonna give it 10 out of 10 dick stenslins i forgot to point out that the guy, <laughs> that's right he's in this too he's a character actor Wait, who's he? I, he's a character actor i don't know his name he plays a character named dick stenslin in la confidential and he's one of the most gloriously heinous looking motherfuckers who ever existed he looks like fred flintstone in real life it's like <laughs> incredible uh and he and he is absolutely majestic in LA confidential as just like this big piece of shit. Like it, it's he's I love that guy and I wish he knew he was in more stuff. Uh so 10 out of 10 Dick Stenslins. All right. I'm gonna also give it two and a half Judds. Um I did like it at the beginning and then it kind of wore on me a little bit and it was just so cringy and hard to watch all the blatant racism stuff and then the redemption arc is what really put it down there for me because it didn't feel deserved at all or real mm-hmm. um giving it zero douglases just because i don't think this had any sleaze but i do agree with matt that it could have definitely benefited from from some sleaze at least would have made it a better time i think um i mean the proper sleaze nothing too dark yeah everything in its proper place everything in its proper place i'm gonna give it 10 out of 10 burning la skylines <laughs> yeah this this town's gonna burn you know it's gonna burn <laughs> it's gonna burn Ooh, that i feel like that one was a hard one to get through for me i was just not into it <laughs> that particular about it at least yeah talking yeah. about it at least i was like uh, it's all downhill after to, i know i'm done talking about cops right now i'm over <laughs> it I'm over well, it well what are we going to talk about next time do we does anybody remember 
<laughs> next time we have three courtroom films. Oh wow! We have uh, we public have the service, Lin- the Lincoln Lawyer. Oh wow! With Maddie McSee. Uh, All we've right. We got um, the Runaway Jury, and we've got uh, Peter Hyams joint with our patron saint Mikey Douglas. Oh Beyond yeah. a reasonable doubt. Oh my Are god. These- I these aren't going to be Douglasy at all, though. Probably with not. The Douglas, maybe Probably we'll be surprised. Not. I have never seen the Lincoln Lawyer, so maybe he's fucking all the time in that movie. I, I don't have know. Seen all They're three just of naked these movies, in the but not since they came out. Uh, um, and uh, we're going to call it Odor in the Court. Yeah. God damn right, we're calling it Odor in the Court. We have That's to comedy. We simply must. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, we'll be back together in in the studio at that time. Yes, hopefully. Um, I'm sure yes. we will be. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Follow mm-hmm. us on Patreon. We're, we're cranking out all kinds of great stuff on the on the Patreon. Following yeah. Kevin Kevin's adventures along over there. Um, uh, what have we What have we done recently? We did Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Bram, Bram Stoker's, Stoker's Dracula. Dracula on there. Fun. That was yeah. the most recent one. That was a fun one. Yeah, uh, got some fun stuff coming up there. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Woo pretty soon. John Woo, so woo. very woo, exciting. Woo. And um, yeah, follow uh, follow us on t- Twitter, I guess. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Rate us on iTunes. Five stars only, please. Five yes. stars only, please. Give us pay us plenty of compliments. Yeah, pay us compliments. Mail us stuff it. at Scarecrow. What's yeah. that yeah. address again? Five zero three zero. Go ahead. <laughs> 5030 Roosevelt Way, Northeast Seattle, Washington, 98105. Yes, we love getting mail. And we love you for listening to our podcast. Yes. Till next time. ACOF is ACOF. <laughs> All cops are weird. All cops are weird. Killing us. Bye. Bye. The streets storm pure fire. Get folded like envelopes. I suffocate hope. Equipped with shells, box with four scopes. One incident reshaped the globe. A globe.